The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. Hey, this is K underscore Diz, and you're listening to that. Ah, start again. This is Kendall, and you're listening to Kendall. F*** this shit. I've got weed flies to the tie. Just listen to the show. This episode of The Intermediate Line is brought to you by Manic Tackle Project, the only company who knows fly fishing as well as you do. And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally-graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. Noise, man. What are you that's doing? Your, that's your heartbeat. Oh, really? You're very must be very excited about the show because on comment? episode 98, nudging close to that 100, I can tell you, hand on heart, that our battleship is fully operational tonight because we've got a pretty good show tonight. We are uh, the first time in the history of the Intermediate Line podcast where we're, we're looking at a political stance, you could say. Right, this is something. Initially, we we thought we'd steer clear of, but um, after close to a hundred episodes, I, I realised actually feel relatively strongly about this. Yeah, so do I. I mean, it's not like I haven't through the whole time. It's uh, this is very close to both of our places where where we where we live. Um, we've both seen uh, an arguable decline in um, in in habitat and fishery in, in this area. And um, you know we'd both like to see it change, and we we both know people on both sides of the fence as well. So it's uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, although although this show might be heavily weighted towards one side of the argument, um, you know I think we'll be able to offer a pretty balanced perspective on on the uh, on the on the subject tonight. Yeah, yeah, we definitely want to touch 
um, both sides of the argument where possible. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yep. So, so you know, like I guess if you're listening to this, you would have already seen the ad for it that we uh, that what we're doing. So we're having Scott Mitchell on tonight, and um, we won't expand on too much about what he does. We've had Scott O on before. Those who remember, we've had Scott O on to talk about his adventures in uh, the South American jungles. Um, you know, and um, so. I don't know what episode number that was. I wasn't prepared for this, but uh, I was prepared for the show. That's a lie. I wasn't prepared for what I just said then. Am I making myself clear? I'm pretty sure I am, right? You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> Forgot what I was saying. Over to you, Jeff. Well, look, I, was, I just want to say thank you to anyone who, who bothers downloading and listening to this because, you know, I've in the past, I have steered clear of politics full stop not just fishing politics you know just sort of put in a too hard basket um we have spoken about covid politics though yeah yeah well that's just tongue-in-cheek i guess hanging shit on people and that but this this is for real like this is pretty serious um yeah this this is sheep stations for a lot of people that's for sure not not only wreckfish shows but there's people who's who's, you know second and third generations careers are sort of uh hinging on on this new outlook towards these sort of fisheries that's mm. what I was saying. So yeah. So basically, Scotto is is the um, the spearhead for the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, which is, I think, I think for it wouldn't be a um, a, a misrepresentation to describe it as um, as a pro recreational fishing organisation. You know what, mate? I'm I don't know, I'm, and I'm here to learn more about it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to to talking to to Scotto about it. Um, not only for this, you know, for the regional specific uh, outlook, but I, I really think, I really think everybody in every area could get a lot out of, you know, becoming involved or at least trying to understand the uh, the, the issues on on both sides. But you know, we're, we're fishermen first, so um, mm. you know, recreational fly fishermen. So you know, we're unabashedly going to present that side of things, but. Um, we were, you know, we, I guess I remember, I remember going to a, um, a midnight oil concert back in the day and Peter Garrett is famously a very political singer. Um, and obviously went on later, later to become, uh, the environmental minister for, for the Labor Party, um, at federal level. He said, I don't actually care what your politics is, um, as long as you've thought about it, you know, and. And sometimes stimulating thought is um, is is more powerful than you know um, in the long term than than giving someone an opinion. So, mm-hmm. I guess what I, I just, all I want out of this is is to open my mind a little bit to find out more about it, and hopefully listeners can um, can you know share a common view or, or get something out of it if they're further down that path than I am. Um, mm-hmm. I think the worst thing you can do on a lot of these issues is is stick your head in the sand and pretend they don't exist. And um, and that position, I don't think, uh, is tenable in the long term. So, um, yeah, uh, that's where yeah, I'm at. Well, well said, mate. I, I agree. I think um, I think one of the main impacts that can happen if uh, Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance get their way is that the zoning will uh, be in line with other marine sanctuaries and marine parks. Whereas uh, the marine, we'll hear more about from Scotto, but I think his main goal is to to get. Um, get the assessment done of that area like it is meant to be revised or looked at again again we'll learn more about that but uh for very um 
uh, rudimentary look at it. I guess you could say that it's it's going to get revised the whole area, and uh, it's, it's overdue for that. Um, and when that happens, it's looking like these uh, flats, um, breeding areas, um, you know, areas of areas of high impact to to uh, um, fish populations are going to be possibly net free, potentially. Uh, there's a lot of net free zones around Australia. It's it's happening. Um, it's happening in places around the world of uh, high impact as well. For between, uh, you know, where where tourist tourist dollars con conflict with with agricultural dollars, I guess you could say, um, tourist dollars seem to be sort of coming out on top as well as the environmental issues. So, you know, it's changing times, I suppose. And um, you know, there's always always like I've I've described this on the show before, but I've always said that right now. We're in the dark ages of fishing. I can't imagine people saying in 20 years' time how good it was, rather how bad it used to be, if you know what I'm saying. I don't think it can get much worse, even in the short period of time that, that I've seen, you know, like, while I've been alive. Like, it's it's always been better previously. I just can't imagine it getting... <laughs> it, can't, it can't be getting much worse, you know? Well, I, I admire your optimism, mate. I, I, I really do. Um... Uh, I, I hope there's a reversal of that downward trend, and and you know the only way they can be, is um, is through participation and, and knowledge at all levels. Yeah, um, you know, recreationally, scientifically, and um, and politically. So, well, yeah, I'm that, really, go on. I was going to say that you, you be, that's right. What you said is is it um it I hope it inspires the hopes that this show tonight inspires um, participation. You know, you might not. You, all you need to do is be able to understand the people that are that are spearheading these directions. I guess you could say, and yeah. tonight we'll give Scotto a, a good opportunity to um, to express uh, the um, the ethos of um, of the of his uh, alliance, if you like, and um, and you can make an informed decision yourself. I guess I guarantee you, there's going to be people who are going to listen to this who are opposing Scotto, and and to those people, you know, like uh, I guess I can speak on behalf of us. When we say that all we all we want to do is present um, Scotto's side of the story, you know, we'll we'll try and offer a balanced interview in that respect. Um, yeah. You guys can make your own decision up, but um, but look, um, you know, if if there was someone who who wanted to offer the opposite side to it, who was against what the Fraser Coast Alliance fishing uh, and and sees sees the opportunity to sort of uh, you know wants to wants to put put their point through. Contact us. We, we we could have we could probably look at having you on the show, depending on um, how aggressive your head is. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if if you if you move to hate on it, um, listen. I just ask you to b before you before you do that, and you're welcome to. You're welcome to hate on us. Um, well, not us. I mean, you can if you want, but I mean, no, the, the point is, you're allowed to. You're allowed to oppose what you hear. Yeah. But you know, just whatever just, you're about to say, I'm sure I'll agree. Well, if my, my my question for you is simple. Just ask yourself before you before you fire up, what have you done about it? What have you done about your situation if you want it to change? Now, if you don't want it to change, that's cool. Carry along. Go, go do what you want. But you know, um, yeah, don't 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 lump the hate on without having done anything about it in in the past, and and just. The other thing I ask is just respect everyone's opinions um, because, you know, divided the whole lot will fall down. You know, it's a, we're, we're a much easier opponent um, 
uh, politically, from a political standpoint, if if we're divided. So, um, you know, sometimes you might have to, you might have to, uh, you know, suck some things up. You might, you might like having to share a resource with a bait fisherman, but guess what? Still fishing, you know, and and you're gonna have to, you might have to compromise somewhere along the line. You know, you might, you might, you might have to draw your own line somewhere. For me. Jet ski, sorry, couldn't stand next to you. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to ask Scott about that if he could, um, yeah, if he could yeah. bring, uh, you know, the the new regulations. If he's got a part or has um, some influence in it, if he yeah. could just take jet skiers out of the Sandy Strait completely. Yeah, yeah, just ban them from Queensland. Be great. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, um, what do you reckon? Let's get him on. Let's um, let's do this cool. because this could be a pretty meaty meaty discussion. You know. Yeah. So um, let's do it. It'd be a meat lover's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Let's do it. Welcome to the episode, listeners. This evening we've got um, the very honourable Scott Mitchell. With us, um, Scott, I won't need a uh, an introduction to most of us. He's uh, he's very well known in the fly fishing and fishing community, um, the broader fishing community as well. So um, he's also been on the intermediate line previously. I, I can't remember which number, but he, he outlined a fantastic trip that he did to the uh, Amazon in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, as as right. we said in the intro, remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The other intro. <laughs> Just yeah. To pick up there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Scott is going to talk to us um, uh, this evening about the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, and uh, obviously that's uh, centred on the on the Harvey Bay region in Queensland. But there's a lot of lessons here, we believe, uh, that can be taken and extrapolated. Do you like that word? Extrapolated um, yes, into <laughs> into that's other. That's an excellent areas. word. Mm. <laughs> so Scott, first of all, mate, thank you for 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 your time tonight and thank you for being involved and uh representing everybody um in this way mate so welcome along now you guys are uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to be uh, invited back onto your podcast and uh hats off to um what you have achieved to date it is a fabulous podcast i thoroughly enjoy listening to it and well oh, done that's awesome no well, it's I'm awesome glad, i'm glad to hear you've done your due diligence scott because uh you know some of the things we word are uh not often accepted by some people, but we, we, we show up every week and we keep going. You so can't appreciate please your time all of the people all of the time, guys. No, mate. that's uh, that's uh I've got that poster in front of me right now, <laughs> along with that <laughs> one with the cat just hanging on. Just hang in there, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> got both of them. Mate, let's let's get cracking with this because um, I, I would like to hear uh, you define the, the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance and just let the listeners know exactly what it is. All right. Well, the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance really took over from the previous Sunfish Fraser Coast branch some 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the Fraser Coast Sunfish branch at the time, under the Sunfish umbrella, um, were not only just a recreational fishing lobby group, they also have done some really fantastic work with um, just promoting recreational fishing in general. They did the junior anglers clubs and uh, they had some great volunteers and they were just generally promoting the benefits that come from recreational fishing. But in relation to the marine park and general fisheries management throughout Queensland, 
I felt we were probably not quite hitting the spot under the Sunfish uh, infrastructure. So I was a member of um, Sunfish um, State Branch for three years on the State Committee, and I just felt that um, we needed to rebrand ourselves uh, in order to achieve a regional outcome for the Fraser Coast and also possibly better engage with fisheries managers throughout the state because I didn't feel Sunfish as an organisation were truly representative of the recreational fishing base throughout the entire state. Mm -hmm. So we uh, rebranded at that point as the Sunfish, uh, well, sorry, we were not Sunfish, we were the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance and a number of other branches, including Mackay and Cairns and up in the Gulf, also rebranded under different entities. They, um, they become alliance groups as well. And they chose to probably best represent their local regional recreational fishing community is probably mm. the right word. So that's what we did 10 years ago. Our emphasis has really been on um, trying to correct, and I use the word correct because our Great Sandy Marine Park is unlike any other marine park in Australia, possibly the world for that matter, in relation to the current zoning plan. Um, the main issue we, we have with the current zoning plan, which was introduced in 2006, I was not involved in the um, uh, communication and the uh, campaign leading up to the legislation of the marine park in 2006. We moved here in 2007, so I was not aware of what went on, but I, uh, as soon as I arrived in, in Harvey Bay, I was uh, contacted by the, the then Sunfish Fraser Coast Branch and I've uh, always tried to uh, contribute and be a part of any recreational fishing campaign and management strategy to uh, better the interest of recreational fishing and, and sustainable recreational fishing in whatever area I'm fishing. Mm. So in this case, the Great Sandy Marine Park planning strategy uh, everyone was apparently united on the plan that is essentially sitting in play today with the exception of the anomaly, and I will call it an anomaly because this particular zone does not exist in any other marine park in the country. It's called the Great Sandy Area. What the Great Sandy Area is, and this is the key component to this marine park and the issues we are still battling 17 years later, is the... Great Sandy area is a red cross hatched overlay that it is, a, it is a designated area sitting on top of what was declared a yellow conservation marine park zone. The red cross hatching designated area overturns just about everything that a yellow conservation marine park zone stands for. You can question, is it even lawful? And we have. So that, that is the issue. So the, mm -hmm. the Red Cross hatching was somehow done as a poor political decision behind closed doors uh, without the input of the broader community that had been engaged for over four years leading up to that, uh, that decision, mm. and, and it needs to be overturned. And the fact that we are five years past the full-term review due date and there's still been no resolution, proves how difficult this poor political decision has been to correct. Okay. So, Scott, I'm going I'm to probably revisit some of the things you said there, but I want to break it down uh, a little bit more for those people that aren't, I mean, 
as familiar. Now, I understand a lot of the stuff you said there because I've been following the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance pretty closely on the posts that you put up on social media and uh, and what you do. Um, but I think uh, I'd like to break down just the subject of what you touched on through that, of, yeah. of why why the area needs one. So because it sounds to me that sunfish, although could be coming across, or could, used to come across as promoting recreational fishing, um, but was was lacking the uh, the identification as a conduit between rec fishers and uh, policymakers, and that sounds like what the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance comes in and does. So I guess um, along that subject, is that the reason why you know we uh, need not only rec fishers but people who are um, environmentally minded need the uh, Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance? A hundred percent. Like rec I've often said. Getting the recreational fishing sector to unite and 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 campaign towards any common cause that will better benefit the recreational fishing sector is a, is a lot like herding cats. <laughs> the recreational yeah. fishing sector are really really good at complaining at the boat ramp or at the bar, but if you ask them to engage with the policy makers and the decision makers in order to rectify or correct the decision that they feel they um, are being unjustly impacted by, um, they generally do nothing. That is just the reality. Mm. So we, we, we need the recreational fishing sector to step up and become united across not just this cause, across sustainably managing recreational fishing in our state and the nation in general, uh, otherwise, we'll continue to be disadvantaged by decision makers that have got no idea what we're trying to um, protect or legislate or, uh, or sustainably manage. Mm. Um, we, we, we need recreational fishers to become engaged. That's just what we need. So what you're saying is that uh, the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, it, it, to, uh, to, lit, to take the words, the, the, the words used in that name literally, is an alliance... An alliance uh, voice or aligned voice, if you like, of, of recreational fishers, who are who um, and you're giving them a uh, an ability to communicate with policymakers and 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 showcase their interests. Correct. Or, um, so, okay. Yeah. So under the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, what, why we created it was that we wanted to be more regionally focused uh, rather than Sunfish Fraser Coast Branch, which we had an emphasis or had a focus on local issues, but we're also involved in a so a broader state-based interest. Um, so under the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, we are purely focused on the interest of the recreational fishers across the Fraser Coast. Mm -hmm. In this case, the Great Sandy Marine Park, which does actually extend all the way up to Baffle Creek. So the Great Sandy Marine, Marine Park runs from Baffle Creek all the way to Tin Can Bay, essentially. Mm -hmm. So it encompasses the Burnett, the Elliot, the Barham, uh, Sandy Straits, the Mary, and all the way through to Tinkan Bay, all of the, the myriad of estuaries that we've got in the Sandy Straits. So we are focusing on really correcting the designated sandy area, which is that red cross hatching. It needs to be removed unquestionably and without exception. That sure. red cross hatching, just for the people that are not aware of what's going on, that red cross hatching, what it does is it is sitting on top of what was declared a yellow conservation marine park area. In a normal conservation marine park area, you cannot commercially inshore gill net or any commercial netting inside of a, a yellow conservation park area. 
Yep. Uh, the Red Cross hatching, though, completely overturns that and, and has changed essentially nothing in that area. Well, Scott, Scott, just before you, um, you, you go into that, I, I want to, I've got, I got to imagine there's going to be people that are listening to this that are, that are not familiar with, with what you're talking about there as far as marine park zoning and, and stuff like that, right? So, um, um, so I mean, because we're going to have people listening to this, not only in Australia, but I mean, there's going to be people that are going to listen to this and who are interested in, um, you know, uh, marine conservation throughout the whole world. And essentially, that's, that's what we're after. I mean, you couldn't get a more environmentally-based group of, of, uh, of, of people than, than anglers, really. We all want to see the... Um, the, the natural the natural wonders um, you know prosper as such so um, so before like be, before you tell us more about this uh, yellow crosshatch area and this anomaly which which does sound very interesting do you want to just just go back a little bit further in regards to what this uh, marine park zoning uh, actually is in regards to the sandy Strait so I mean you already you've already outlined this uh, geographical area but um, but what what is this what is this marine park and what, what is it how did it come about? Yeah, look, marine parks are a uh, again amongst the recreational fishing sector probably a um, uh, a topic that can be robustly discussed as to the real benefits of what do we get as recreational fishers from a true marine park. And look, there's been some decisions made in marine parks, both state-based and federally. Um, that I'll suggest in primarily in relation to green zones and maybe the area encompassing those green zones. Hang on, Scott. Been, Hang yeah, on, well, these have been done without without any real thought as to why the recreational fishing sector should have been excluded from them. Is the recreational fishing sector the, um, the, the primary cause of issue, like in these areas, are we the, um, the major problem with the depleting fish stocks in these areas? So I've never been, personally, an advocate of blanket percentages used within marine park zoning for the sake of having a green zone, because that's essentially the, the only zone that excludes us from a marine park to go fishing. Scott, I just just rewind, mate, a little bit. I'm, I'm I'm not disputing any of that. I just want to get paint a picture for for people who um who mightn't have any idea about our um our park zoning within you know in Australia. So, a, a green zone for for those listeners would mean an area where we can visit, but we can't fish. Correct, hundred percent. So, 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 and that is the same zoning the world over. So, if you are if you are travelling through or fishing within a marine park anywhere in the world, in yep. the world, a green zone means that you cannot fish at any level. There's no recreational fishing. There's no commercial fishing. It is purely an area that has been put aside for the regeneration of that area and fish stocks. Okay, so the next question I've got is what's a yellow zone? So a yellow zone is a yellow conservation area is what it's called. So that is, again, essentially a nursery area. In most, it'll be an inshore waters area that essentially is a nursery to allow fish to spawn, repopulate, and, um, and protect that key habitat that allows those fish to filter out throughout the rest of the rainbow. And is, is that a – is that so, – oh, sorry, Vols. What can't you do in a yellow zone? Oh. 
What can't you do in the ozone? All right. I would have to. You, you definitely can't commercially inshore net in a normal yellow zone. Correct. Uh, it generally restricts recreational fishes to the two lines and two hooks. Yeah. And and crabbing. There's okay. no crabbing in that area as well. All oh, right. But, but again, the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance has not weighed into the whole crabbing issue per se um, we have suggested that we would support commercial crabbers on a quota based limit as long as they were long-term operators and and had history and skin in the game uh, for that area because we understand that commercial crabbing is an important part of uh, providing seafood to the local broader community that, that's good, man. That's good. I just wanted just to brush over these zones. Now, you got there's two more zones, of course. You've got the pink zone where you can't even exist, right? You can't even visit. Correct. Yeah. And well, I haven't weighed into any of the other zones in this issue because yeah. we, we cannot participate in them. Okay. So the, ma the main issue, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to crack a bad joke. It's gone now, man. I was just going <laughs> to touch on the friend zone. You know, which is uh, <laughs> yeah, the friend zone. Yeah, I'm Good in the friend zone at the moment at home, just quietly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and it would be quiet, I reckon. Oh yeah, yeah. No one bothers you there. It's good. Yeah, you're not reaching your quota vaults. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's plenty of crabbing allowed. I like, yeah, oh, yeah. get it. Yep. <laughs> Um, so, so it's kind of is that is that internationally recognised as well? I understand that the, the, the concept of the green zones, but I mean, if it was internationally, uh, international uh, travelling via sea, you know, you could recognise on any map. But the yellow zone is that internationally recognised as well? I believe so. Yeah, I'm. I'm not, I will be honest. I'm not a, uh, a an authority on international marine park zoning, but I do believe it is universal, mm. and and under a standard um, yellow conservation marine park zone, uh, limited line fishing, one handheld rod or one handheld line per person, no matter, um, oh, sorry, no more than one hook attached. Now, that, that's the general law, but in, in Moreton Bay, there was there was negotiation, and also up in uh, Hinchelbrook, there has been um, negotiation made where recreational fishers are allowed to use two um, lines and two hooks per person. Mm. Um, we're allowed to go trawling. I'm just reading this straight off the website. So you're allowed to go trawling with no more than three lines per person and up to six hooks. You're allowed to have limited spear fishing, snorkeling only, so not scuba. There is a, a bit of a loophole, and this has been addressed at a few levels, bait netting. Uh, so the commercial sector are allowed to continue to bait net in a yellow conservation zone, but under a previous government, bait netting was then further defined that it couldn't be used to specifically target brim whiting and flathead. But there potentially can be other species, particularly sport fish species, that could be targeted using the use of a bait net. Limited crabbing, four pots, um, collapsible type dillies, and limited collection of oysters and bait. So that's that's it. So if they jumped on to the, um, the oh, I'm just looking at the, uh, the government website under access and use zoning and interpreting zones. Mm. So all the different zones are clearly put out there in layman's terms. And the zone that we have an issue with in our great Sandy Marine Park is specifically that designated sandy area 
which is the red cross-hatched overlay that's sitting on top of that conservation room park zone. And that's the, the, the key issue for us is that it has overturned the um, ability for commercial fishing to have been removed 17 odd years ago. And commercial netting is still occurring in that yellow conservation zone, whereas it does not or is not allowed to occur in any other marine yellow zone in the, in the country. So, Scott, I'm getting a clear picture here that the red hat yellow zone is a... Um... Oh, what is that? Yeah, that was noisy is what that is. You're is that, right. Is that Katrina? It is Katrina. Thank oh, you, Katrina. Hurricane Katrina. Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. <laughs> sounded like it. Sounded like it. And there was a hurricane Katrina, yes. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, so I'm getting a really clear picture from you here, Scott, that the uh, red hash yellow zone is really um, possibly even a global anom anomaly. It's, a, it's against the spirit of a yellow zone. Um, it is. You know, and, you know, regardless of how it got there, um, uh, it'd be good to have it back. Now, this particular yellow zone, for, for the people who aren't familiar with it, um, was, what sort of mixtures of, of uh, fish habitat are we, are we seeing in this particular red-hashed yellow zone? Well, the Great Sandy Marine Park, if you, again, if you check it out online, we actually have, in the Great Sandy Marine Park generally, yep. a broader and more diverse um, recreational, not, not recreational, we've got more diversity in our fish species in our marine park than the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park does. Really? And, and yeah, we're one of the most significant Ramsar uh, wetland bird areas in the country. Actually, that's, um, actually been recognised as, as the, um, yeah, the Ramsar Convention on Wetlands of internationally, it recognised as international importance, uh, exactly. internationally declared as a feeding ground for migratory birds, and it's also a critical habitat for rare and endangered species as well, which is pretty fucking big deal for, for as is. far as environment. Yeah, massive deal. And, yep. and then you can Google on top of that that we're also a significant, if not the largest, biosphere in the country. Yeah, well, actually, the, you, I, I just had a bit of a look at that before we came on. The United Nations of Educational and Scientific and Cultural Organization named the Straits as, as a biosphere reserve in 2009. It's got the, that means it's got the same worldwide recognition as the Galapagos Islands, like the Central Amazon, the Everglades, and Uluru. And look 100%. how it gets look how it gets treated. I'm trying to leave my opinion out of it, but it's hard to not be passionate about the way that place gets treated. Like I said in the intro, which you didn't hear, Scott, I like this is I let listeners know this is really close to my my place, and and like I've lived here all my life, and yep. it's um you know it's it's just a shame the way I, I I'm getting away on me here. So I promised myself I wouldn't get carried away on this, but <laughs> when you when you understand those statistics, it's easy to see why this fuels such emotion. Uh, between between um, people of various interests, that's for sure. It's a hundred percent. And when you look at the environmental significance, scientifically proven that is within our Great Sandy Marine Park, you've just got a question: How was this even allowed to occur seventeen years ago when they created a zone? that doesn't exist in any other marine park in our country. And, and on top of that, it overturns everything that a conservation marine park zone stands for. So, yeah, so here we've got um, agricultural industry. Um, whether you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. But you can't, you, can't, you can't dispute the fact that this agricultural industry does have a, an impact on this biosphere. And without it, it would have a... a um, 
you, an arguably positive, depending on what your interests are, an arguably positive impact on this uh, in on this biosphere. Yet it's allowed in a, um, in a yellow zone, which is recognised as a, as a conservation park. Hundred percent. And then you can turn around. And not only should we be protecting the marine habitat and environment, the maximum economic yield that will come from protecting the marine habitat and environment through increased tourism tourism and participation from not just the recreational fishing sector but environmental tourism, ecotourism, will far and away outweigh the current commercial worth that is being extracted from within that zone. I've got a, I've got a question here, mate. Um, this might, I don't think it's, it's off track, but I, I think it's a pertinent time to, to bring it up. What sort of metrics, like how do, how do we measure, like we can actually measure fairly accurately the commercial take, but, you know, it's, it seems to me that, you know, when you talk about the tourist worth, the fishing worth, all of these different values, like it, how do we accurately measure those without underestimating well, underestimating is the correct term. So we've yeah. been trying. It is difficult with our sector, the recreational fishing sector, because we are not probably monitored um, or managed as well as we could be. Uh, so our decision makers don't have a real accurate grasp on what our sector is contributing to the economy. Mm. But without question, this is under the, um, the Fraser Coast Tourism banner, um, we have had some robust discussions over what is the recreational tourism value worth specifically really from just the drive market alone and our local tourism managers have agreed that we are worth the recreational fishing tourism sector in a drive market which is our biggest tourism market in excess of drive market Drive market just means that's people not who reside or live within the Fraser Coast. These are people that are coming specifically to the Fraser Coast to go recreational fishing. And that market, tourism-based, is worth in excess of $39 million per annum. And that how, is important. How does that compare to, to um, the, um, the pros? It, it it exceeds the the commercial value to the best of our knowledge, and it is difficult for us to get accurate um, returns from the commercial sector because a lot of the operators are working in boats that are under six metres and under privacy. But using the QFish grid grid data information, we believe the commercial uh, value of the fish being sold and caught within that area is no more than say three million per annum so this is a growth well, hey, difference. And this three is million like, compared to yeah. 39 million sorry uh, Bob. Yep. It's just that's that is that is and we've had we've had independent external analysis done on that and we provided that to the decision makers and no one has challenged it 39 million dollars per annum is eight hundred thousand dollars a week every week for the year that, that all is a, year round it's, it's not even like a, it'll peak in a couple of season periods but it, recreational fishing on the fraser coast is all year round it's not okay. a three-month season okay yeah so, and that's so the, for the, just for the just just to play devil's advocate for the haters that are, that'll no doubt be listening to this how how do you get those figures like i mean you said you said you've had them um quantified professionally like how, how does that happen 
yet, so I'm just going to pull up because I knew these questions would arise. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, not we, we, have, we have many, many up. documents. You can go to the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance website and we've put all of our core documents are online. Anyone can view them and download them. Got <laughs> Just hold up, mate. What's your what's the web address there? Just so that our listeners at home maybe maybe having a beer and they're they're, they're feeling red blooded about this and maybe <laughs> maybe they're they're growing some balls on it. Like, what's the website? Where, you know, if they go to the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance right? And there is a document there under the um, media. It's just under the media tab. Yep. And it is called Restoring the Fraser Coast. As a recreational fishing destination, right, um, and and to the best of our current information, where there's been cruel surveys and stuff done over the last 15, 20 years, to the best of our members' information, everything that anyone would need to know is there for all the world to see. Well, right, that, that's incredible. There you go. Yeah. Well, I guess that's, that's all we we really need on that. Really, at the end of the day, I mean, if you're listening to this, going. Bah humbug, you know, what this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Go and have a look at it there. You know, get, get over there and it's, check it out. It That's... is. They can download it. So, Peter, we made it so easy that you can go onto our website, you can go onto the media tab, and the core document is called Restoring the Fraser Coast.pdf. Download it. Mm. And, and if you want to challenge the data that is in that document, feel free to shoot us an email and we'll send you back where the sources all come from. <laughs> There you go. We could, you couldn't get more open than that, that's for sure. We've tried to be completely open and transparent. We are not commercial fishing haters or we're not against the commercial fishing sector. We are purely trying to correct a marine park that was just poorly managed from the beginning. And that's so you can only say that it was poorly managed from the beginning. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so Scott, with, with that in mind, um, a question that's going to come up at some point is, um, you know, t t for those for those people who think you're hating on pros, where what would you like to see happen to the pros? Like, you know, we have 110 percent from the beginning said, like in every other marine park process or in any other net free zoning process, is that the commercial fishers should be fairly compensated for the loss of access within the area they're going to lose access to. Right. So that will be based on their returns. The government have got way better access to the real data of what those commercial returns are, and those fishers should be fairly compensated for the loss of access to the area specifically that they're going to lose access to. So in this case, in the Great Sandy Marine Park instance, we're not saying that these commercial fishers have got to be brought out and, and that's the end of their livelihoods. We're saying that they should be fairly compensated for the loss of access to the Red Cross hatched area, which makes up about 11% of this marine park. We're not saying there's not going to be any commercial fishing within the Great Sandy Marine Park. We yep. still support line fishing as long as it's sustainably managed outside of the Yellow Conservation Red Cross hatched area, so, which is 11% of that marine park. So, Scotto, if, if they've been accurately filling out their, their catch data with their grids, um, it's, they should be able to have their their effort, or sorry, their not so much their effort, but their their um what they're missing out on. Hundred percent fair. We've 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 been completely transparent and open that. Just like in every other area where there's been a marine park brought in, if commercial fishers lose access to an area, they should be fairly compensated. We've hundred and ten percent stood behind that. 
Yep. So, okay, so at the end of the day, what we're looking at here to take to take the um to to remove the the red hashing crossing from these yellow zone areas, we are looking at essentially a net free zone, right? It will by default become a net free zone. Yes. Okay. So, what what does this net free zone look like? I mean, is it uh, is it is it going to fall under the definition of this um of the original definition of this yellow area without the cross hatching? Um, and what is what does that mean basically? Yeah, well, I know we've sort of you, covered it already, you, but. If, yeah, if you yeah. pull up a, a, a zoning map of the Great Sandy Marine Park, you'll see that there is red cross hatching throughout all of Baffle Creek, and there's been some propaganda going on up there. But but uh, and we've tried to engage locally with those red fishers up in that area. But Baffle Creek at the moment, essentially the entire area is covered in red cross hatching. So all of Baffle Creek would become essentially a yellow conservation area. Wreck fishers would still be allowed only, we're, we're, we've been calling for two rods and two hooks within that area. Mm-hmm. Why you would want more than that, I don't know, within a net-free zone, uh, which is what it will become by default. Um, so that will filter all the way down. So the Burham River, um, the Mary River, up to the, essentially it's a roundabout, what we call Beaver Rock, um, above Beaver Rock, that's another another issue. So on the Mary River, which runs obviously up through Maryborough and up to the barrage, once you get above the Marine Park zoning area, which is at Beaver Rock, why the Marine Park didn't extend beyond that is because it does become what they interpret as a, a commercial port because there is the port of Maryborough and it doesn't match the values of what a marine park would have. So the Great Sandy Marine Park essentially ends at Beaver Rock. We've suggested that if you corrected the marine park, removed the red cross hatching, there's no no commercial netting throughout the Great Sandy Strait, it doesn't make a lot of sense that you would allow commercial netting to continue in that section of the river up to the barrage, the freshwater section above Maryborough. So that could be declared then a new net free zone to match the values of the marine park in which case the handful of commercial fishers that net the mary river specifically for barramundi and thrift and salmon would be fairly compensated um, again for loss of access in the mary river above the marine park zone the mary river does contain to the best of anyone's knowledge the most southerly strain of wild barramundi repopulating naturally naturally within the system in the country. Mm. So, you know, we're only three, three and a half hours drive north of um, Brisbane. You've only got to look what's happened to the Fitzroy River system in seven years since the Rockhampton what's Council. What's happened back there, mate? Yeah, since they, since they made that that area, one of the largest net-free zones in the state, what has happened to the fishing in that area and the recreational fishing tourism that has come from that. So what potentially could happen, our system is not as large as the Fitzroy and we don't have the same catchment above the Mary that the Fitzroy does, but we've got a phenomenally diverse ecosystem and marine environment at the mouth of the Mary River that filters all the way down to Tin Can Bay. Those fish will sustainably spawn and breed within this area and we'll have a phenomenal fishery that'll generate significant recreational fishing tourism and eco-based tourism unquestionably 
With the volume of barramundi in the Mary River, um, how does that compare to other commercial barramundi fisheries throughout Queensland? So the stats that we got, and we actually had um, uh, InfoFish, Bill Sorlock and uh, Stefan uh, go through to the best of their ability. We consigned and paid under the Fresco Fishing Alliance for their organisation to calculate mm-hmm. that for us. So the commercial catch coming out of the Mary River, specifically in Barramundi, over the last three years has been in excess of 20 tonnes per annum, 20 to 30 tonnes of Barramundi, and again, 30-plus tonne, um, it fluctuates on the years, but it's 25 to 30 tonne in king salmon per annum. So that's opposed to the Fitzroy. The Fitzroy was more than double that because it's a significantly larger system, which far larger headwaters, uh, so it's a more productive system for those species. But we, um, there's no question, you're still talking, we'll say, 20, 25 tonne worth of barra yeah. and at least 25 to 30 tonne worth of salmon commercially taken out of that river system per annum. 25 tonnes, that's 500 kilos each week. Per annum, correct. Fuck. It's amazing. <laughs> and and these, fish, these fish breed rapidly, as we yeah. all know, and so you can only but imagine if you didn't take that percentage of fish out of the system per annum for three to five years, what would that system now look like, particularly when those fish are now allowed to then filter out throughout the whole Sandy Straits, which is almost the equivalent to Australia's version of the Everglades? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it, to, to paint a picture for, for, those, for those people for that, I, was, I, I got another question after this, but... Um, for those who, who haven't decided to, to use Google Images, so that you're looking at the Sandy Strait being, uh, you know, being being a, a passage of water between Fraser Island and the mainland of Australia, right? Um, which we haven't already painted the picture there. But to, this, to, just to, to springboard off what you just said then as far as it being, you know, equivalent to the Everglades, which is obviously recognised by a lot of organisations like we just mentioned. Um, but there's, there's twelve there's twelve creeks or estuary systems on the mainland side, and there's fourteen on the on the Fraser Island side. That's within that that short that short stretch of how long is it from uh, Inskip to uh, to Harvey Bay? Like it's um it's a Urangan say it would be what twenty k or something like that, or probably fifty k. Oh, or something? more than that. It's got to be it? well. It's from from say Urangan up to Rudy's is thirty nautical miles. It's got to be the same going down to Tin Can. Yeah. So what would that be in equivalent to what 60 60k or something? It'd have to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It be, because it's 30, I oh know it's 30 nautical mile thereabouts as the crow flies. So yeah, mm. it would be at least that. It takes you a couple of hours because I've done it on numerous yeah. occasions. Well, you know, like that's a that's a that's a pretty short distance to have what uh, twenty six creeks or, or rivulets or I mean, we're not talking like drains. We're talking. You know, rivers and creek, like creeks, definition yeah. of like proper breeding estuaries. grounds. These are yeah, estuaries. Yeah. estuaries, yeah, exactly. I wasn't I was sure what you call it estuaries I'll... given, what would you call the strait? I mean, it's not the ocean, but I mean. Well, it's an estuary. It is yeah. all part of a really complex, phenomenal estuary. And I was down there only a couple of weeks ago just for the sake of this exercise, actually. And I, I went down through what they call the Diamond Islets and, and, and on the western side, smack in the middle, out of Bernaroo. Mm. And, um, and, and in areas that really should be crawling in marine life, diversity, small fish, there just should be stuff going on. It is like a desert. And I've, I have come from 
New South Wales previously where we declared a number of net free zones there many years ago. And one of my favourite estuaries down there was Malakuta, which has been now net free for 20-odd well, years. Mm-hmm. And if, if you've ever been to any of these systems that have been net free for more than 10 years, you would appreciate that when you come into this particular system, it is like a desert. And it should not be like a desert given the marine asset that this area has. It's the marine environment and habitat, it should be crawling in fish. And I came here with Bushy back in the early 90s and, and my business at the time under the Alpine Angler, we were sponsoring a Golden Trevally fly fishing tournament. And, and Bushy was working for me in my shop at the time and we were good mates and we were also both passionate brim fishermen. And we were just blown away by how many brim there were in this joint. We were on the on Fraser Island side, inside the moon point up towards Bridge Creek, and we were polling brim out of the mangroves on our rods between the tides when we were not chasing Golden Trevally, which were coming tailing down the flats at 25 and 50 in a pod. Mm. Um, and we just thought, how good is this joint? And that, that was all really why I moved here back in 2007. I saw back in the early 90s, how phenomenal this fishery is. That's right. And now after living here for 17 years, I rarely even go over there because all it does is frustrate That's and really depress good. me. Scotto, okay. Scotto, mate, is, what's the brim fishing like now? It's, you can't, it's hard to bloody find a bloody brim and a flathead. I love chasing flatties. I, and I like chasing a flathead too, mate. But yeah, the joint, the joint is just hammered. It is like a desert. I've, I'm happy to be quoted. You just go over there. I'm happy to take anyone you like over there. On those flats west of Moon Point, that is a, what should be an absolute pristine marine nursery area. You know, the seagrass flats, just the creeks that come in, the mangroves, the deep water access to shallow water flats, it should be a phenomenal, amazing nursery area. And yet you can drift across there all you like and it's mostly like a desert. Mm. And it's so, it is just wrong. It's so I've got, a, I've got an answer, I've got a question for you, which is sort of um, in regards to the, uh, the net free zone. So, so um, geographically, just to answer this one quickly before I move on to my point, but geographically, how far north are you, are you proposing for this? How, how far north well, are you the, looking? Well, the Great Sandy Marine Park essentially goes up the Baffle Creek. So if, okay. if the Red Cross hatching is removed, as it should be, yep, under yep. this current review, all of Baffle Creek will essentially, by default, become a net commercial net-free zone. It okay. is incredible up there. Have you been up uh, there, Scott? Yeah, it's a phenomenal okay. system. Yeah, it is. Okay. potentially one of the best jack systems we've got on the east coast or central coast. For sure. There's, there's no arguing that at all. My question pertains to a different sort of aspect of it, I suppose, and one is that, um, you know, when the net-free zone was introduced into the Fitzroy system, uh, a lot of those pros, you know, from what I heard, moved the uh, adjacent systems, right? And uh, right. I know that a lot of those guys are in in the Sandy Strait now. It's putting a lot of pressure on the the pros that have been there for you know multi generations and such. A lot of those guys are working more days than they used to just to compete with the other pros that are that that have moved down there. Um, so well, my question is, I suppose, is is there any been any sort of thought given to the uh, the the small part of coastland between sort of uh, Port Alma? And uh, and Baffle Creek now, you know, like that that, that Gladstone region and stuff like that is going to get, you know, pretty smashed, you know, potentially. Well, right? it, it correct, and and that's why this is not a Fresco's Fishing Alliance uh, campaign as such. 
but under the Queensland Recreational Fishing Network, which I'm also a founding member of, the um, we've campaigned hard with the other members to work under what was essentially the MRAG, the uh, or a green paper initiative by by the former LNP government. Um, and currently still being pushed forward by the current Labor government to introduce the VMSs, which have been done, so the vessel monitoring system, mm-hmm. which was key to ensure that the commercial fishers are fishing within the areas they say they're fishing within. And then secondly, the two most critical components to the uh, restoring our inshore fish stocks back to 60% of the original biomass, which is the core strategy of the whole Fisheries Sustainability Strategy Act was to introduce regional zoning and regional quotas. So mm. those two pieces of legislation were passed just prior, like September last year, to the last election through a lot of campaigning uh, from uh, various groups that were um, putting pressure on the government to uh, push forward with these uh, initiatives. And those two strategies uh, of implementing the regional zoning, regional quotas should go a long way to um, minimising the impact of displaced commercial fishers going forward through marine park zoning or net free areas. Mm. You've, you've um, prompted a bit of an unscripted question from me there. How, are we, how have we worked out what the original biomass is? How can we get to 60% of something that, we, um, that there was possibly no census of at 100%? Yeah, that is an excellent question for a qualified fisheries manager. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and and, and it, you are not the first one to raise that. But all I'll say is I'll guarantee that it's a way better level than what we're currently working with now. Oh, I've no doubt. No doubt I'm, in my mind. The number that you use shocked me. We're, we're aiming to have sixty back to 60% of the original. Like, we're aiming to have something literally half as good as it once was. I mean, how... Yep. Bad. That's that's how and you're right and 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 that's why and and through the sustainability fisheries strategy 2017 to 2027 which is a 20 year campaign that we're halfway through mm-hmm. um, the the core objective is that if you go back to the original paper it says the core objective of that strategy is or initiative is to restore our inshore fish stocks back to 60% of the original biomass but that is, doesn't come up as often as we would like today uh, because we want to hold fisheries, Queensland fisheries, to achieving that outcome. And they can provide you with how they arrived at what that figure is. But at any level, it's going to be significantly better than where we are today. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, so, Scott, I've got to ask, mate, You've you've sort of you've palmed. I'm not saying irresponsibly so. You've you've palmed the the question of science off on onto the the government, and so it should be a governmental issue. Um, um, I, I guess I guess the, the the question I've I've got is, you know, the um. Actually, I don't want to ask it like that. Um, gonna, no, you go- can. I know exactly where you're going to go. Is so. Oh, I reckon I do. So. And this is where we go, oh, yeah, but you look at the, the different species and none of them are under the you know, overfished population bases and we don't have any problems with stuff and, and mm-hmm. it's all bullshit. So anyone that is, has lived in our state, 
the whole state, I don't care about there being a Fraser Coast or anywhere in Queensland because I've worked with a lot of different guys throughout the whole state since I turned up 17 years ago on recreational fisheries management levels. And anyone, including yourselves, if you can tell me now, so in your fishing experience over whatever time you've been fishing in this state, chasing whatever it is you want to chase, has your catch rate or observation of the fish you enjoy pursuing declined? Oh yeah, we, we spoke about that in the intro. Yeah. Like we 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 uh. Well, I've been uh, calling this time in our lives potentially the dark ages of wreck fishing. Like I, I've said that there's no way that you're going to get people say, you know, the way it used to be. Yeah, you know, twenty years into the future. You know, like like we say now, twenty years ago. You know, oh, it used to be so good back then. But you know, now the the like you said, like we're we're at a point where the governments have to step in. And manage what what you know the free for all prior to the uh, conservation park, and even that's got to. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I heard someone quoted today who was uh, who who builds their own sawmills and all that sort of stuff. It was a, it was a, an amazing old dude who's in his nineties and stuff like that, and he said those who those who have never made a mistake have never built something, you know. And that's and that's so true. Like for someone to build anything, whether it be a marine park or a tractor, you know, you're going to make fuck ups, and it's going to mean that they're going to have to be revised and. That the, the the fact of the matter this this fuck up hasn't been revised for so long, and it's getting away. It's just, it's almost like uh, it's almost like um, you know uh, like a, a, a getaway process from a, from a robbery and someone like the government holding the door open for the robbers, you know, to take as much as they can until they finally have to shut it. You know, like it's um that's what this whole whole thing seems like. It's it's. Well, you, it's you can go to Queensland or Fisheries Queensland. I'll say Fisheries Queensland or Fisheries Queensland. Go, go, go to the department and ask them, could you speak with the recreational fisheries manager? Who within the department is in charge of managing recreational fisheries within Queensland? And when you get that answer, shoot me an email or give me a call. Yeah, you make a good point. But I guess the, uh, the thing is, you know, what, what most recreational fishermen would like to see when you speak around the traps is some form of um of unified recognition now the the fraser coast fishing alliance isn't going to be that for the whole state we don't have fishing licenses in queensland but you would think that even if it was um even if we did have not not so much even if it wasn't a fishing license even if it was just some sort of database that we could we could you know like we could could be managed correctly like a petition where people wouldn't double up there was no false names or anything like that in a, in a hypothetical scenario that also, you know, carried a, carried with it like a uh, a um um sorry, hang on a sec. Um, so also carried with it some information like how much money you spent on on pies at the servo when you're going fishing, fuel, tackle, all that sort of stuff. Wouldn't that be that, that's that that'd give us some sort of reason because we don't have that right now. So it's um so what you're saying is that there's there's no one to manage essentially. There's no one for the government to recognise to manage right now. Like that like Volti said on. I've heard him say, whether he said on the show or I've said it in person, there's there's no way that the government knows that we fish other than that we own a boat. And that's it, through and registration. I mean, you, you might have a similar, um, oh, well, I, I guess the government, through the transport department, assuming the transport department talked to fisheries, you know, that they might be able to see my boat's five metres long, you know, but, you know, or, and not a PWC or, you know, something else, you know, like I, I'd hate to have my interests aligned with jet skier. You know, um, <laughs> sorry, that's a bad attempt at humor, but yeah, yeah, it's got a. You know what I mean? Like, I just sort of, I'm sort of concerned. Uh, my common theme, you know, throughout, 
and I, I wouldn't call myself pol politically woke, but I'm becoming I'm becoming more and more restless, maybe even slightly angry about a few things, you know. But I I don't see how recreational fishermen can sort of um can can have an effective voice without being effectively quantified. Like, you know, the government's all about scientific analysis of a stock or or whatever. Yet they make some huge assumptions about about us. Like, you know, they know I live I live in North Brisbane. Um, how do they know I give a fuck about what's happening in Harvey Bay or beyond that? No, it's 100%. And, 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 and anyone that also knows me personally and from the time I arrived, so a little bit of background. So when I had the Alpine Angler, I was um, directly involved in the Net Free Zone campaign in New South Wales, uh, directly with the government. I sat on the head advisory council for recreational fishing in New South Wales for 12 years under ACORF as the area representative for my area, which was a southeast New South Wales or southwest corner of New South Wales. Um, so I've, I've had a long association with dealing with rec recreational fishing management issues at a government level in New South Wales and also here in Queensland because I sat on the state-based um, committee for Sunfish when I arrived here for three years before I felt that um, things could be changed. Um, and that's when we created the Queensland Recreational Fishing Network. So again, so any of the listeners that want to get more involved or more grounded on just some of the many issues that impact on recreational fishing across our state of Queensland, you can go to qrfn.org, just qrfn.org. Mm. And if you go to our position papers, you'll see that there is a detailed paper on our position in relation to a recreational fishing licence if it was ever to be proposed in Queensland. And there is an exceptional paper done by a couple of the other members of the QRFN called The Bones of Contention. Right. It's a little bit of light reading for you when you've got nothing going on. Tell us about uh, the bones. Yeah, what, what does it, what, can you summarise it? What's it about? Well, it, it, all of the issues that impact Queensland, like way before I arrived here, these guys have been here for 30 years before me. So yeah. the Bones of Contention paper is an exceptional paper uh, written by a number of members, uh, core founding members of the QRFN that I'm also a founding member of. And um, really you need to have a look at it. Like it, it covers the, the problems of recreational fishing acknowledgement and management throughout Queensland, period. And mm. there's lots, there's there's a lot of history in there. Who are some uh, of the authors, mate? Would we would we know some of the authors, some of the co-authors? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe some, probably not most, <laughs> okay. but 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 maybe some. Yeah, look, it, it's like I said, with no disrespect, like I, I got good mates that are, are mates that I ask them to do shit and send a letter or an email and they don't do fucking anything. So, so getting the rec sector to do things is like herding cats. I've said this yeah. numerous times. We, we are engaged with all of the local fishing clubs, organised fishing bodies from, under the phrase goes fishing alliance, from, uh, uh, sorry, no, in this case, from Barham River, all the way, sorry, Barham, yeah, Barham River, all the way down to Tincan Bay. Um, but under our joint position statement that we've lodged under the Great Sand and Marine Park Review, it is the first time that all of the organised rec fishing groups in the state have actually aligned alongside of the, the environmental groups in a united position and statement on how we would like to see this marine park uh, review completed. Mm. Uh, um, 
but it, 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 we need the recreational fishing sector and all of the listeners to this show to not just pay more attention to what's going on with the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance or the Great Sandy Marine Park, but to genuinely engage on recreational fishing issues in your area, just your area. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're not yep. in Queensland, anywhere. Recreational fishers are probably some of the best advocates and and uh, custodians almost to what's going on in the marine environment, particularly fly fishermen, because as you guys know, I'm a passionate fly fisherman and I like to do other styles of fishing as well. But there seems to be unquestionably internationally a, a really broad connection with the environment directly from fly fishers because fly fishers generally fish catch and release. They want to see the fish before they catch it. They are possibly more aware of what's going on around them as they're fishing. Um, you've only got to look at the, the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust in Florida as a, an excellent example of what can be done as far as fisheries management um, going forward and legislation in their part of the world. So we don't really have that in Australia. We just don't. Mm. Um, and, and we need recreational fishers to become more engaged. And because we are all, all of us, are out there on the water enjoying being in the environment and 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 acknowledging what's going on around us, we're some of the best people on the planet to go back to these decision makers and tell them what's going on. But we're not. We, yeah. we our sector must become more engaged with the decision makers and tell them what is going on because sometimes what they suggest is going on doesn't match what we observe as factors of what's going on yeah absolutely um one of the things i guess that the uh another tangent of that which right now seems to be uh what we're talking about seems to be wreck fishes versus, versus profe uh, commercial fishing but the one thing it gets seemed to overlooked with this which seems to be just as important and particularly in the sandy strait given the agriculture that's alongside the uh the waterways there is is the agriculture you know like it's uh the the um the runoff like the uh you know like for example like the plant the pine plantations all the way down between you know um um you know tuan and and, and tin can all that sort of stuff you know like it's it's got to be wild i mean like the those those plantations are a scorched earth policy as far as uh regrowth and the and the runoff that runs into those systems must be detrimental like i've I've heard, you know, what give me a bit of thought about that is in, in particular at the front of Big Tuam. Like it's, uh, I've heard that they, at the front of that, at front of that system used to be just lush seagrass, like covering all the flats. There was, there was hardly any sand, bare sand there at all. Now it looks like in the moon. It looks like just, it's just bare, shallow flats, like, like with no growth on it at all. Now, yeah. I mean, you, you can't, I mean, you, you could argue that, you know, nets and and props and stuff like that could be doing the damage there, but I, I highly doubt that 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 could be doing the, as much uh, damage on a, on a on a macro level than than um, than what water quality would be doing as well. You know, so yeah. is um is yeah. is part of this going to be part of this campaign going to be focusing on 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 that side of things as well? Yeah, well, it's not part of the campaign. We've been we've been campaigning for fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> and there there are some members within our group that are actually 110% on top of this. So I'm not as adverse uh, or not aware. Well, not even aware. I'm aware. I, I'm not as in, mate, possibly informed as well as some of the other guys that are involved with the acid soil runoff issues in relation to the 
um, plantations down the bottom end of the Great Sand Straits. Mm. And there's there's no question the information that I've seen that that is a significant issue also. Acid soil has been a significant issue everywhere I've seen it come up. Mm. So, yeah, look, 110% water quality and the marine habitat. And that goes back to why is this a marine park to start with? Mm. <laughs> so it's a marine park to start with because it's got some of the most diverse fish habitat in the state. Yeah, it does, and it's got more fish diversity than the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. So, why are we allowing these practices to occur? Um, because we're going to just kill the marine park. And it's has, the it come, has, has the agriculture come too far? I mean, well, well, that's not agriculture. Well, I suppose it is agriculture. It, it, it is. It, it is. It's to do with all of that acid soil runoff issues which i'm no expert on but there are some guys in our group that are and i've seen some of the papers but it's not my forte i'll let those guys work on that yeah um but it, it is a significant issue because if we this goes back to why do we have a yellow conservation area which is supposed to be a nursery and a habitat if if we don't protect the values that allows that habitat to flourish which then in turn benefits the fish stocks within that area well why we, we haven't got that area yeah, yeah. I just wasn't sure whether we were, because um, I mean, in the the name, the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance is is a little bit, uh, you know, it's it's a fair enough question I think for that some people might be considering. You know, are we looking at all aspects of it? I guess you could say, you know, because yeah, no, uh, there are there are members, and I've never suggested I'm an expert across all of them. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some members um, within the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance that are well on board with those concerns and issues. Mm. And some would suggest that they are more significant than the commercial fishing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. If we don't protect the I, habitat, yeah. there won't be nothing there anyway for any of us to catch. Oh, I think for sure. Like, I mean, uh, you know, uh, sediment runoff, even further up the Mary, I saw salinity, all that sort of carry on. Like, the amount of agriculture running along the Mary River, which is longer than, way longer than the Straits, you know, it's probably probably a way bigger catchment than the rest of them all put together, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, invasive species as well, but I mean, I mean, uh, water quality more than anything else, really. But, uh, you know, the, yeah, like the, the industry, like, I mean, like the cane farms around the area, like, it's just, there's just so much, uh, introduced um flora you know i guess and 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 agriculture and, and land clearing and stuff that's gone on for eons you know that's uh that's almost irreversible i think that 60 percent um biomass is probably uh about as about as realistic as you could get given given the damage that's been done already i mean hypothetically what, what they can't you can't really go replant all, all the cattle paddocks you know all the cane farms or all the uh all the pine plantations i mean that would be that would be a hundred year project if that was going to happen for sure. I mean, for it to for it to come back to what it was like before that, definitely. But I mean, right now, I mean, um, I mean, there's fish stocks surviving there. Fish fish are there to, to some degree. The I guess baby steps, and I guess the first thing is bringing that uh, yellow zone back up to uh, back up to uh, in line with the yellow yellow zones that have been uh, designated. Unquestionably, question will be a great start. Yeah. Um, and then those other issues you've raised, though, particularly in relation to water quality, they are potentially as significant, if not more significant. And then there are, I can assure you, there are people way more qualified than me that are 110% on top of that issue. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So, so Scotto, what? Um Assuming, assuming that you can get that overturned, uh, the, the red hashing in the yellow zone, what is next on the charter for uh, Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance? What's their next uh, 
positive step in the right direction for the area. Yeah, well, I reckon the um, the initiatives that Fitzroy uh, Council and their, through their net free zone with their voluntary code of conduct for the recreational fishers, so that is um, a, a fantastic initiative that they have just put in. It's a uh, voluntary code of conduct. Give us a background on that, mate. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it. You are you throwing these things at me, and I don't have that in front of me. But oh, hang on, hang on, I'll, I'll Google it. <laughs> uh, if if I'll, you go, I'll, make, I'll, I'll make, make small talk till you're ready. You know, no, no, that's all good. So I'm just going to Google <laughs> voluntary code of conduct, um, which I'm going to do. So the punters can do this code of conduct, yeah, Fitzroy River, um, because I have read it, but for me to try and find it in my notes right now will be fast. This will be faster. So. Um, it's under the Voluntary Code of Practice Explore Rockhampton. Mm-hmm. So that it, it comes up straight away. Voluntary Code of Conduct, net free zone. You can sign onto it. So it says all commercial nets came out of the Fitzroy River uh, for the last time at the end of 2015 Barramundi season. That year, just over 200 tonnes of fish, all species, were taken out of the river by commercial harvesters. With this volume of fish no longer being removed, the remaining stocks allowed to breed and grow, the population of legal-sized fish has risen substantially and dramatically since the closure. The number of trophy barra over the magic metre in length continues to grow each season and with most of these wonderful sport fish released to fight and breed again, the overall picture is only improving with the passage of time. And they have put in a voluntary code of conduct for recreational fishers. And I suggest the majority of rec fishers visiting the area are abiding by it. So they're not going in under the normal fisheries Queensland bag and size limits. They're just going in to experience a phenomenal fishery, recreational fishery, that has been specifically created from removing commercial netting and in doing so are not just going there to take their bag or size limits, but to enjoy the fishery, take home a feed and release the rest so they can go back again. Mm. Yeah, right. Well, that that certainly sounds like a positive thing. You know, it's, it's sort of fair to uh, to ask for more of, of our recreation rather than just sort of pushing, uh, well, pointing the finger at, you know, pros and saying, you know, get out. It's so saying, you know, looking at ourselves, being a little bit more introspective and saying, are we really putting our best foot forward here as individuals? 100%. And, and, so, and we've got to take... Um, response and, and, and responsibility um, for this going forward. And, and the, the thing that also hasn't been raised this evening anyway is that recreational fishing in the last 10 years, as far as our access to amazing watercraft, super economical four-stroke engines, phenomenal um, electronics with as far as GPSs go, like, sonars, like like you know, so, our ability to become better anglers through technology has significantly advanced, like more than most of us would have realised in the last ten years. So, so we've got to take more responsibility for our own fishing action. So, if we want to see a fishery improved, we've got to become a part of that process. Mm. Absolutely, it's a uh, it's a uh, stewardship, really. I guess that's you could a say. great word. I'm yeah. with you. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that I think that most people will be on board with that, and I, I think um, I think uh, as a, as a consequence of, I mean, I, I hate to make this sound like fishermen getting their way, 
I mean, but like I said earlier, you know, like uh, I think as a whole, um, uh, maybe maybe indirectly, a lot of fishermen would 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 like to see uh, an environmentally healthy system, whether it be for their own um, own selfish, you know, fishing, uh, you know, uh, experiences or just as an environmentalist, which mo most people end up being anyway. And most fly fishermen are probably at that level anyway for and I know how this makes us all sound like we wear tweed coats and leather patches on our elbows, as, as advanced into our fishing life, um, we head towards fly fishing. So, you know, like it's, it'd be very hard to imagine most people listening to this podcast as a fly fishing interest wouldn't already have that self-imposed code of conduct uh, put upon them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking a feed. Um, I eat fish, but, uh, but I mean, you know, oh, geez, I, at this day and age, I, I'd like to say oh, I can't keep all the fish that I catch, but it's just not the, not the case much anymore. <laughs> yeah, particularly seeing right. I fish for, particularly seeing I fish for Jewfish as well, you know. But yeah. uh, uh <laughs> anyway, that's another subject. But um getting on to it, I suppose, um I wanted to ask I mean we've already talked about this, but let's get into depth about this. Um how can people get involved with this as an individual? At the moment, under this is specifically relating to the Great Sandy Marine Park Review which we expect will be completed before Christmas this year. The next phase of the Great Sandy Marine Park review from the government level will be the release of a draft rezoning plan. So that plan we expect, and uh, no, we expect, will come out with no red cross hatching on it whatsoever. Pretty to ensure, well, that's what we need. We need that because that plan, we all know that once you see a draft rezoning plan released, in a marine park, there's rarely any significant change after the draft has been released. There'll be a six-week shit fight, public consultation period, and then it'll go through the legislation. So we would expect, um, given all of the uh, history of this marine park, that that uh, red cross hatching should be removed without exception. But to ensure that happens, we need as many people as possible that have an interest in this to email or call Minister Megan Scanlon directly. She is the Environment Minister. She will be the one responsibly and solely, it will be her name on the decision that this marine park will be corrected with no red cross hatching on it. Mm. So if, they, if you have even emailed her in the past or you previously read Leanne Enoch on the last government, you, you need to continue to um, communicate directly with Megan and uh, send her an email. Um, if you Google, it'll be just Megan, M-E-A-G-H-A-N, Scanlon, S-C-A-N-L-O-N. She's the current Minister for the Environment and the Great Barrier Reef uh, and Minister for Science and Youth Affairs. Um, she's the lady that will make this decision. So far, we've built, I'll suggest, a positive relationship with her and her team, but she needs to hear it from the broader community. So, what sort of what sort of constructive comments that are you know that everyone can can use, um, and what sort of uh, manners and tenor would you recommend in his communications with Megan? Yeah, I would suggest that you just want to actually, uh, obviously, uh, ask for you're aware that the Marine Park. Uh, Great Sandy Marine Park um, zoning um, plan has been under review now for 15 years. The full term review was due to be completed 
five years ago mm-hmm. and, and that um, you would hope to see it completed this year and that you understand that the Red Cross hatched anomaly, which is the Great Sandy Area, overturns everything that the Yellow Conservation Park Zone would stand for and that you expect it to be removed without exception. Would, can I ask anything, Scott? Over, I would it be in more simplified terms than that? Sorry, guys. No, 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 you're right. But I mean, you've got to understand some of our listeners as well, mate. So you know, uh, some of them, some of them may have considered riding jet skis, if you know what I'm saying, right? But, That's um, right. Jet yeah, skis so, is a destination. Would, After that, you can get out and walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, well, drag your knuckles and walk anyway. But um, uh, hey, uh, would it be wrong? Do you think? That potentially, like just an idea, like if if on your social media you, you drafted a letter, they could easily cut and paste. Because I think um that 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 would be one. Shot. Yeah, yeah that, look, I, I I think I've tried to do it, but I'm happy to be pulled up. Maybe I've been doing it too long, and I take some things as granted. So I will after this evening's um podcast. Yeah. I will stick something on the uh, Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance. Uh, Facebook page that um, our listeners this evening could just cut and paste and send an email directly to our minister. I will do that as we're speaking. Sorry, Vols, just before we get off this subject, I just want to point out to the people listening, uh, and you guys might be able to back us up with this, that this is not, like, it's not invasive for you as a voter or uh, even an Australian citizen to contact the um this this politician and um and voice your concerns you know like this is this is what they're there for they're there to uh to 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 you know uh, listen to what we want and and act upon that really and if that's what you want if you want essentially you know a, a more environmentally sound uh, area uh, or even to set a precedence for for future areas then this is this is a very simple five minute task that that you can do that's not going to be you know, making you out of favour with anyone. You know, it's um, it's not you're not going to be embarrassing. You're not going to be making anyone angry, except for people who are going to lose financially from it. Maybe this is but, democracy. Uh, this this no, isn't. No, this no, ain't no, the PC. No. Sorry, mate. What's that? Sorry. Oh, I just made the point. This is democracy. This ain't the the Chinese Communist Party. Like, you can you can you know make suggestions. You know that you'd like to see happen. This is this is no different to perhaps speaking up, but you know at the dinner table saying, "Hey, mum, don't burn that steak again." You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that sort of thing. It's just construct <laughs> when you're a kid, of course. You know, but um, but you know what I mean. It, it is it is how no one's going to know what you want unless you say it. All right. You, yeah. If like, you rely mom, on, I'm, I'm, I'm 18. I don't need bath time anymore. Right. <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> I don't need those plastic sheets anymore. Something like that. Yeah, something like that, Volts, right? Yeah, something like that's what I'm. I'm not sure that's going to fix the marine park, but I'm now more aware. We're just trying to paint the picture for our demographic, mate. You know. Yeah, some of us are maybe older than others. I don't know. Oh, look, mate. I wouldn't say yourself short, Scotto. You know. uh... I bet you knew how to party in the day, Scotto. Oh yeah, some would. Support you on that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. So, like, um, so basically, what you're saying is, is that, like, it's uh, you know, like, contact 
Contact uh, who is she? Member member for environment. Member member for environment. Yeah. Yep, she is. Yeah, she's yep. the the current minister for environment. She will be solely responsible for putting her name against the finalisation of this marine park. Yep. Okay, so that's the best way to vent your uh, your concerns as a uh, as someone listening to this show going, well, what can I do? Yep. Uh, wasn't correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there? I can seem to remember. That you started a uh, a petition, like a um, an online petition, at one stage as well. Yeah, it still runs today. So if you went to change.org, just typed in Frosco's Fishing Alliance, or go just if again if you go to the Frosco's Fishing Alliance Facebook page, I think I pinned it to the top. Uh, there's over eighteen thousand eight hundred ballpark signatures on that one, and we got five thousand odd signatures locally on paper. So my understanding is we're over twenty two thousand signatures to have this red cross etching removed specifically and that is the most signed recreational fishing petition in the history of queensland right that's i think I, you know that's, that's a that's a lot of people but i still think that's pretty pretty poor turnout really it's 110 percent, but yeah. it's still the most signed recreational fishing petition in queensland yeah. which tells you recreational fishers are not good at this yeah, why yeah. don't why don't commerce? Why isn't the commercial like the recreational fishing commercial sector like? There are so many big name brands in in conventional fishing and fly fishing that make so much money out of the uh, of the fish to get caught in in around that area. I mean, look, the marlin to get caught on the flats there as just one species, right? I've seen I've seen an angler like you know showcase that to brands all around the the world. None of those none of those commercial entities ever put back in that i've seen to to this to this uh ploy you know it's um it's uh it's it, why 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 is that why do these guys not like uh reinvest in the future of even of their own business you know what i mean like that 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 area could create an incredible amount of content uh for for these brands and has in the past for sure but no one won't weigh into the politics that comes with it or the conflict that will come back from those who will be affected by that decision. Yeah, well, I'm going to put happens. something out there that, that people should consider where they spend their money, you know, yeah. for, for that. You know, like there, if you, you know, there's so many ways that you can you can make yourself heard, you know, with this. You know, like if if that's – I mean, if there's, there's ma major big companies, international companies that, like, are, are making money off this, you know, and it's, yeah. um, it's, just, it's just a shame – that uh, consumers can't can't sort of uh, tell them what to do, as so to speak, when consumers are where how they make their money. You know, if you know what I'm saying. Um, uh, so I mean, like it's true. Yeah, I mean, you could you could focus your attention politically, but also focusing your attention. I mean, imagine. I mean, look at look at how much some of those companies got behind the pebble mine in uh, in the United States. You know, Able Able made a reel, didn't they? About uh, no pebble mine reel. Was it them? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, why why are we not getting this stuff here in Australia? It's 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 crazy, and even with Australian brands, like it's um, you know, uh, it's just it's just wild, it really. I is like, it's, I like the word that um, you used earlier in relation to stewardship. Yeah, and and we just don't have um, solid recreational based groups that are truly representative of our sector. And, and a lot of the time, though, whilst there's been a few that have really tried with the right intentions, our sector just will not get off their asses and have a go. So well, we'll it is, always get walked over. We'll yeah, always get walked over then. Yeah, and, and I, I can – the thing that some guys said recently on a post over this issue, oh, we should have a flaming boat rally. I can't help but share this. 
So, so back in the days I had the Alpine Angler down in Kerma, and we had the Save Our Slimies rally. So this is before Super Trawlers, right, when they wanted to net the shit out of all the slimy mackerel, specifically from Burmy down to, say, Grand Cape, and then feed them all the bluefin in the pens at South Australia. We said, that's just fucked up. You're going to take away the, the main food source for all the pelagics and it'll affect our fishing. And Anyway, back then there was no Facebook. There was no social media at all. I'm going way back in the dark ages, right? The internet was only a new thing. We so, called BI before Instagram. Yeah, so back then it was it was you had to get your your, your point across in the in the national fishing magazines. So mm. all of the major fishing magazines, predominantly back then, it was Fisho, and, and under that time we had Jim Harmwell, and then it was Modern Fishing. We had um, Boothy. I'm mates with a pair of them still today. So. Mm. They gave fantastic coverage, and we had all our other ambassadors, including Rex and Starlo and Bushy and Ian Miller, and we had the, the bloody Canberra Game Fishing Club had 180 registered boats fishing the flaming Bermuda Yellowfin tournament. So we we put together this rally on Parliament House with over four months notice right mm -hmm. and we invited all the film crews i was involved in this too i had me 3.9 meter stacy tinny that I, I, I towed from kuma to parliament house with bushy and and do you know i'm going to say so with three months extreme coverage as best you could do in the day in newspapers radio everything and 180 registered boats in the canberra game fishing club at the time for the burnbagua yellowfin tournament just alone how many boats turned up at that international rally do you reckon 10 14 yeah 14. i'm not surprised mate i'm really do you not know surprised. what that makes the recreational fishing sector look like in That's front a of a national audience on on national television a bunch of spuds yeah and what's <laughs> changed what's changed between that and today is frustrating as i'm sharing this with you today yeah not a lot guys our sector needs to lift their game become more engaged and really have a say or things are not going to change. Yeah. So Harvey Bay has been like a – there's been a hotbed of good and bad over the years. I mean, you know, you spoke about modern fishing. I remember one of their one of their most celebrated prolific authors, Warren Steptoe, you know, he was famous for, for his stance on um, – or his, his work on spotty mackerel uh, ring netting in Harvey Bay. And I believe he even had um, well-documented um, threats on his personal safety by – by um, professionals in the area too. Yep, he did. Um, um, good mate, Warren. Yeah, right, right, and um, and you know um, our, our mutual friend Paul Dolan, you know, he was he was very vocal on on his um, on his issues too, and um, you know I know that um, well, you know. No, he was in. Paul was directly involved in the campaign leading up to before the park was even legislated. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Harvey Bay has been been like. You know, it's, it's, it could, it, you know, what I'm trying to get, what I'm going to say is, you know, people shouldn't just think it's Harvey Bay. Like, you know, these sort of issues can happen up and down the coast and, you know, um, you know, get involved, be vocal people. Like you can, you can affect change locally for, for the better if you go through the right processes. And it's pr pretty intimidating if you don't know what those processes are. It can be, and I suppose that the only way to, to get your head around it is to become engaged and, 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 and do a bit of your own due diligence and, re, and re, research. Um, and you've just got to be passionate enough that you believe strongly enough that something should be changed or corrected in this case. Um, but without, without the power of the people, it won't happen. Like politicians 
will only mostly work off numbers. <laughs> so the, the, the power of the people in the community have to get behind these uh, issues and initiatives and, um, and, and become engaged or it's not going to happen. Yeah, well, yeah. It's a stunning lesson. Are we assuming that politicians work under the, the, the guise of, um, of uh, the greatest good for the greatest number? Is that, is that something? Or we come well, they're put into power based on votes. <laughs> yeah. That's how yeah. it works. Sure. And then and the flip side is, though, like they, they, they also do need, other than a vote, they, they need people to give them um, engagement and communication as to what do we want. And, yeah. and I'm not sure they get that. Like, I'm not suggesting that being a, a political member isn't an easy job by any stretch of the imagination. I would never do it. So I, I fully respect the uh, position and responsibility that these people take on board with their roles. Um, and, and they need to hear from us, uh, both yeah. good and bad. No, so, no political ambition, Scotto? None. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm putting it out there. I've been clear to anyone that's known me that as soon as this flaming Great Sandy Marine Park review is completed, regardless of the outcome, I yep. will be succession planning. <laughs> hey, hey, Scott, while we're talking about this, can, can you outline the value of a peak uh, body in terms of liaising with government? Yeah, we, we need, still need one. We don't have one. So in, in, um, in Queensland... The perceived peak body has been sunfish. Um, there's there's not much left of that uh, organisation today. I'm still struggling to understand how they are still functioning. There's no love lost between me and themselves, to be honest. Um, so, but the government, because it's easy, will continue to turn to whoever is the perceived easiest peak body to communicate with. So at the moment. Um, Sunfish are still in the game. You've got ANSA, Quafka, uh, Queensland Amateur Fishing Association. You've got um, FSAC, the Freshwater Fishing Crew, and you've got the GFAA, the Game Fishing Association. Really outside of that, who is communicating directly with government on behalf of the recreational fishing base within our state? I've uh, met on numerous occasions and suggested that um, after should, that's our Fishing Tackle Association, which would incorporate all the major players, should create a, an after chapter for Queensland. A number of the major wholesalers in our state have um, suggested that they would support that initiative. Uh, unfortunately, that initiative hasn't gone ahead whilst we've had a number of meetings. Um, I think the industry needs to become directly involved at that level, so I believe that they have after the Australian Fish and Tackle Manufacturing Association for the country has created chapters uh, in New South Wales and Victoria. The Victorian one has been really well received and achieved some great positive outcomes. Um, I believe it could do the same in Queensland. We've got some amazing, um, really uh, historic grassroots um, tackle manufacturing companies and wholesalers in Queensland that would support this initiative. And um, I think that we need that that to become a reality. So we, we need to see a, um, a peak body created that would best represent recreational fishers for the state. That should include 
all of the current organised recreational fishing groups that we just covered off on, so FSAC, ANSA, GFAA, FSAC, um, ANSA, Queensland Fishing, Game Fishing Association, that's really it, and, and probably a couple of the alliance groups. Um, in, in conjunction with an after Queensland chapter and, uh, and anyone else that believes they have the support of their local community for recreational fishing and they need to work unitedly to uh, engage with the government to ensure that recreational fishing is managed in all of our interests going forward. Can people join the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance? Yeah, anyone. We charge a buck. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, well, okay. Because yeah, it's not about dollars or membership. It's about numbers. You know? So the recreational, you, you can get on the, our group, you can join for a dollar. Um, and, and, and that just helps us when, when we are talking and engaging with government, we can say that we are truly representing XYZ number of recreational fishers. Uh, we do have the support of all of the local fishing clubs, uh, corporate members, and we've got thousand plus bloody local members and we've had major corporate sponsors um, and we've got 22,000 people have signed that bloody signature. Um, we just now need the government to commit to fixing this. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty cool. How many how many people are in the alliance now? Did in you say the, that? No, I haven't got an actual number because it's all of the clubs. So I haven't got the individual club memberships. Okay. But all of the clubs from um, Burham uh, Heads, essentially Burham Heads Fishing Club, Tugum, the Amateur Fishing Club, the Boat Club Fishing Club, the Amateur Anglers Fishing Club, Beach House Fishing Club, Riverheads Fishing Club, Burnaroo, Perno, Tin Can Bay, all the clubs, all of the organised clubs are currently financial members. Mm. And uh, and then we have individual membership and then we've got corporate membership. We've had some sponsors from corporate sponsors have recently donated under our crowd sharing fund you know, thousands of dollars, which we're holding in reserve for a campaign once that draft rezoning plan comes out, because I'm sure there will be some robust conversations if that red cross hatching is gone. Mm. Speaking of robust conversations, Scott, do you think um, do you think social media could play a more prominent? Um, let's put it a different way. Do you think they're pulling their weight as far as addressing environmental issues is concerned? Um, depends. That's a broad a broad. Uh, topic, I suppose. So under the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, I don't think there's probably too many alliance fishing groups, which are, we're, we're really, a, we are a political lobby group. We're not a fishing club. And we've got four and a half plus thousand members. So so um, the, I suppose probably the best campaign that I've seen in recent years was the Stop the Lockout, the, the, the guys in Sydney over the Marine Park Zoning for Sydney. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, they had I don't know thirty plus thousand. I, I looked at it for a while, so in, in a very they, short time too. Didn't oh they? yeah, and they, and they and they fixed it. <laughs> yeah. They they didn't lose access to the areas they were told they were potentially going to lose access to. So why, why do these guys not team up with you? Like I mean, they must have a mailing list like for all those people. Uh, why is um, it? I just don't understand. I mean, we've engaged, communicated with them, but uh, again, they're working off their. Their local base. I suppose you've got what six million people in Sydney. So, yeah, um, you know, we've got 60,000 people in Harvey Bay, and trying to get the rest of the guys that come here, which we reckon is is still high participation, to actually become involved is a challenge, mate. It's just, it's just yeah. so you, 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 there's not a day that I would go down the boat ramp here 
and and someone says, oh, how's how's the netting going, mate? You know, how's, how's things travelling? When are the nets going to come out? And I go, D have you emailed anyone? Oh no, I have never seen you at a, at a Fresco Fishing Alliance meeting. Do you live in? Oh yeah, I live here. Oh yeah, right. No, it's it's mate. It's just that it is it is what it is. It's yeah. But, but what I'm saying is not in a negative manner completely. The rec sector has to get off their asses and become engaged. This, this is then, what I'm saying. Like, surely these guys for the Stop the Lockout campaign who, are, who spearheaded and have got the database there, can you, I mean, I don't know if they already know this, but, I mean, like, supporting what the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance does isn't exactly supporting your local area. It's supporting fisheries around the whole country. Yeah, the, the tricky future. aspect it's, of that is is that we are, the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, are actually really showing our support to the marine park process. We're yep. supporting the current zoning with the exception of the Red Cross Hatch Anomaly. The Stop the Lockout crew were really anti-marine parks mostly. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> so, so it is a different debate. I've had that conversation with some of those organisers and um, you know, this goes back to that whole stewardship thing. So, you know, and look, there's no question, wreck fishers have lost access to areas through marine park zoning processes that we shouldn't have, and we shouldn't have. And and I was, again, proactive and vocal on the Commonwealth Marine Park zoning and the Coral Sea when they wanted to create the biggest green zone in federal waters outside of our state area for the sake of just having the fucking biggest green zone in the world. Why? We're not the key threatening process, wreck fishers. Half us can't fucking ever even get out there. So mm. what were we going to do to the, the habitat and the fish stocks in that area? I'm dead against that. So I will not support a blanket green zone for the sake of just having a percentage on paper. I just personally will not do that. But I'm the first to say locally here and in areas where I've seen well-positioned green zones where the habitat was there and should have been protected and the fish stocks have recovered and, and, and replenished to a level that we're actually getting a spillover now outside of those areas, 110%. So we are supporting the marine park zoning process within the Great Sandy Marine Park. What we're questioning is the red cross hatching does not belong within our marine park. Got it. Okay. I, just, I, I want to touch, I want to retouch on a question I just asked you, but after that, I want to circle back around to what you've, what you've just spoken about um, there and uh, uh, about, you know, um, different, you know, different needs and pluralism within, within uh, marine parks. But just touching back on the social media question, I've just, go, I've just gone to YouTube, punched in Harvey Bay Marlon. There's a video here with 2.4 million views, okay? Um, I, I won't go go into it. You'll be people will be able to find it. But if if that had like a if that had a message in, I haven't watched it. Okay, I haven't watched it. But you know, say we had that. There's another video here with twenty six thousand views. There's there's one of yours here, with Harvey Bay Marlin uh, on fly. You know, five and a half. Another one, twenty four mil, uh, twenty four uh, thousand views. Well, there's a lot of views there. I'm I'm, I'm sort of. What I'm getting at is is social media. I mean, if if some of these ones, particularly in 2.4 million views, if you even get like a a point one of a percent engagement rate on on a message, a political message, in it, or just you know asking him to sign it, even even the fact that there's a 2.4 million views of a Harvey Bay Marlin, surely that indicates you know a, a powerful message to um uh, to Megan Scanlon that there's a lot of interest in this area, international interest. 
It, it is, and uh, and I'm happy for anyone to want to share that with Megan. <laughs> um, yeah. The reality is, is that the marlin fishery won't be changed from what we're calling for at all. It is not impacted by the um, the red cross hatching um, at all. So so that that's not it's not really a uh, a species that will be significantly improved or benefit from the removal of red cross hatching, I suppose. But, but what it does, so, it shows the interest in the area, you know? Oh, well, the interest in the area, as I just said, like even our local, I've met with our local tourism manager mm. and, and he has agreed that recreational fishing at any level uh, brings a value of a, at least 39 million per annum to the Fraser Coast, per annum. Well, why are they not engaging with, with surveys and well, stuff like that? Well, the fact that I can say that and mm. all of the other supporting information that is on the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance uh, website and our Facebook page and the fact that we've got 22,000 signatures, you'd have to question how could this not happen under the current review that the red cross hatching will be removed. Yeah, that's well, amazing. It is amazing. So, yeah. so what, what the minister needs to hear is more people obviously need to tell her directly that um, this reef cross-hatching has to come off as a minimum. And then, yes, there's some other concerns within the marine park that could also be addressed after that. Yeah, well, it sounds like we need we need another tollbusters. Do you guys remember that? Uh, yeah, you, I do. You, oh, yeah. Oh, you might not have been up here then, Scott, but like, I remember uh, on the Sunshine Coast uh, here, it was, in the, it was in the early 90s, they started to develop tolls on the roads, I think got, and the Wayne Goss was the premier at the time, and uh, and um, the Tollbusters organised a campaign where they wrote their letters on coconuts and um, and sent them in because they had to legally keep the letters; they couldn't throw them out. And the storage <laughs> nightmare from thousands of people sending in coconuts with written on no toll, you know, was um, it made the new, it made made such an impact. I don't know if that was the the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but the Tollbusters got rid of the tolls. Essentially, yeah. pretty quickly, you know. Yeah, only up for uh, maybe two or three years, and that's it. Yep. As long as you can get the engagement, um, that's what the uh, decision makers want to see. They want to see that if they make the decision, it has the broadest support from the community, mm. and, and that's as simple as that. So, what our sector needs to do is engage more with our decision makers and ensure that our decision makers understand that the decision we're calling for at whatever level, whether it be our marine park or general fisheries legislation going forward, has the broader support, and it'll be yeah. a no-brainer. Scott, so I say, say the same thing a different way. The, the impact that one person presenting facts and figures, like you said, of $39 million to, to, to policy changes is not going to have the same impact as those $39 million people making individual contact. Never. Oh, sorry. Yep, not 39 million right. people, but you know, but yeah, that's but true. like that's yeah, yeah. One person compared to a um, you know, 20,000 people sending an email, you know, and it's um, the same as us as, as an association or group saying we've got you know 10, 20, 15,000 members, whatever you got. A, a joint submission never bears as much weight as the individual community submissions ever, particularly well, if there's there's no uh, appointed like uh, what do you guys call it before, like the organization. That would You've be recognised. be an organised body. So yeah, that, that's recognised by the by the government to be able to take take them seriously, rather than you know a group of people who have made something together. You know, yeah. which is as good as it is. Like I mean, the the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance isn't. Is, I wouldn't imagine isn't going to be taken as seriously as 
I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's a, like, didn't you, I can't remember what you guys said. Uh, what do you call sunfish? Is that, is that, that, as the a name? body. Yes. Yeah, so yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, we're so, suggesting yeah, that we are the peak organized body representing yeah. the broader recreational fish of the Fraser Coast. Yeah. But the flip side is, whilst the government, I do believe, um, do take us genuinely uh, and, uh, and, and genuinely, the, um, what, what we need to have still, though, is it's not just us all the time communicating with them. It is nice to have the broader community at large communicating directly with them as well. Yeah. Yeah, I get that, man. I totally that's get that. what we need. So we need people to do it. And you've seen on the forums before we had Facebook, same story. Um, the, and I've been involved in this in this state for 15 years and previously for over 12 years at the peak body level. Um, yeah. I'm fully aware recreational fishers are just not good at engaging uh, directly with decision makers. So we, we, we need our sector to become more engaged. All right, Scott. I, look, here's, here's a proposition, mate. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this, okay? So we know that we know that wreck fishermen spend a lot of money. You know, your your best science shows thirty nine million per annum in harvest in the Great Sandy Straits. Right, just a tourism value. Yep, tourism value of thirty nine million. All right. We also know that historically, and maybe maybe even ideologically, wreck fishermen aren't great engagers. We're we're pretty slack. Um, I think. Oh, I want to know your opinion, actually, and don't 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 let my my thoughts poison you. Um, where do you stand on a recreational fishing license as, as a tool for quantifying and engaging directly with the people who fish? Now, if you go to the Ozfish Forum, so I, uh, I ran a campaign on that particular platform for you know, over a year of my life I'll never get back, on um, would you support a recreational fishing license in Queensland? So just Google it. Right. It's on the Ozfish there. There's, I don't know, hundreds of pages now. I, I ran, I followed that campaign, ran a poll, um, and you can go to the QRFN uh, yep. website and you will see our position paper on a recreational fishing licence. What and is it? This is my, well, my opinion is, is mm. that we 110% need to have a recreational fishing licence, yes. um, but there is a caveat. So the caveat is... Uh, at the moment, under the PPV levy, it has completely been, in my opinion, again only, mismanaged and has mostly been squandered into consolidated revenue yep. and we're not getting anywhere near the real value back from the PPV level uh, levy um, that we should be. Uh, you can look at the um, Freshwater Fishing uh, SIPs program and, and, and who, who fishes a, one of those impoundments and complains about paying that money? No one. Mm. I'll still suggest that the uh, money being charged by the government to administer it is probably high, um, but the real value still coming out of it is worthwhile. The, on a salt water level, um, the sums that have been done is that a general recreational fishing licence in Queensland could potentially generate in excess of 13, 14 million per annum. 
So uh, potentially up to 15 40. million, yeah, 15 million per annum, I'll say up to. Um, yeah. Whereas the current SIPs program is is generating somewhere in the vicinity. I, I haven't looked at it recently, but I think it's a few million. So yeah. in, in New South Wales, we did have a freshwater fishing licence prior to the general licence. So um, the component there was they said if you brought in a general licence, what would happen to the freshwater licence? The uh, Greek consensus was is that they create two separate trust accounts. So these are transparent trust accounts that the government can't just access readily and squander the money from. They need to, um, they had advisory groups, uh, expenditure committees uh, of, made up of recreational fishers that would recommend where the money could be spent from, uh, from both trusts, freshwater and saltwater. And it works reasonably well. No system is ever perfect. There's always going to be some that complain that things could be done better. But uh, overall, um, that was uh, generating uh, in excess of 13 to 15 million per annum. And yep. I know 20 plus years later, I suppose the New South Wales government's being probably criticised now as maybe using some of those funds to fund what could be classified as core business. Okay. In any case, they're still way ahead of where we are here in Queensland because we're getting, what, yeah. $5 million a year? So, <laughs> Which so is a, not, I'm going to jump tough. in here, mate. I'm just going to jump in before we move off that point. Um, has, besides maybe the government, New South Wales government, you've hinted they might be, might might have had their finger, their hand even in the cookie jar, um, do um, uh, have along the way have they made electoral uh, promises and and you know even decisions based on the number of fishermen in an area because they know due to the licensing how what the participation rate in an area or how many possible constituents and swinging voters are in an area. Not to my knowledge, not while I sat on ACORF, no. There was uh, probably management decisions made based on population, uh, which is then it comes back to bag and size limits to manage our sector. But politically, no, not to my knowledge. Um, and, in, and in Queensland, look, I, I've raised this because Sunfish, when I was a member of that committee, we... Um, Sunfish did not have a, a position on a recreational fishing license. I said, what happens if the government come to you guys and said, what's your position on a recreational fishing license? So we don't, well, they, they essentially didn't support one. But I said, well, I, I found that unacceptable. So I worked with them, I'll suggest, to the point that they adopted a position on a recreational fishing license. And they do have one today, along with every other organised group. So all those groups I mentioned, ANSA, Queensland Fishing, uh, Game Fishing Association, Quafka, the Amateur Fishing Association, FSAC, every organised fishing body in our state, I understand, has a position on a recreational fishing licence today they would support that are all mostly very similar. Essentially, all of the funds must go into a transparent trust account that can but not cannot be squandered on uh, consolidated revenue and that the decision-making on where that money should be spent should be uh, managed by a group of recreational fishers from across the state. So that's that's really it. There's various um, different frameworks to that amongst the different groups, but that's it in a nutshell. The key is at the moment, PPV levy um, uh, from our registrations is going, no one knows where it goes, no one can really tell you how much is Genu genuinely being raised by it, nor can you acknowledge where it's being spent, and that's 100% right. Look, it so, sounds... It, sorry, Scott, you're right, mate. Well, the flip side is is that 
the, the governments so far, and I've had the term, exact term used, they deem a recreational fishing general licence as political suicide. They mm. do not have the balls to implement it, nor the initiative to want to implement it in the framework that the groups have acknowledged they would support. It sounds to me that the, the real value for rec fishers through a licence would be, would be uh, numbers, you know? And, and I wonder, you know, like we keep offering to throw money at the government, which they won't accept uh, essentially because we, we're willing to pay for a fishing licence or money in exchange for a fishing licence because we want, a, we want a consolidated voice. Correct. Uh, that's the big problem, isn't it? It's the consolidated voice. We would have voice. ownership. We would, have, we would know exactly. I mean, like the government's well, been flaunting figures of six or 700,000 a couple of years ago in an election campaign. They suggested that we were matching Victoria at one million recreational fishers, not that they justified that. Um, so a licence would fix all that. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what I mean. So... There would be value at getting back at, like, oh, I don't know how this sounds, but for lack of a term, getting back at the government or getting what we want as rec fishers by having uh, an organised... If someone was... I mean, we can't expect you to do this, Scott. I admit, the amount of work that you've put in so far with this is incredible. But um, could you imagine the benefit if someone was uh, motivated enough to gather these numbers, you know, and and um, and there was, there was, you know, people of influence, like, I mean, these... these <laughs> These YouTubers that are around at the moment are just getting incredible numbers, enough to sustain a full-time career off without giving fuck all back in regards to this. I won't, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pull punches with that because, you know, like I, I feel the same way about these these companies and stuff like that. But I mean, these guys are take 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 of, of influence when they could they could perpetuate not so much create this list but help someone to get this list out. When you're talking those numbers, Volsi, of 25 million views, uh, you know. Million. 2.4 Sorry? million. 2.4 million. Let's say it was a million. You know, imagine getting a, a, a list of a million people. Like, if you like this video, go here to a free email, register your name, and then the name, that name's taken. You know, enough for someone to go to someone, a policymaker, and say, I've got the that legally got the names of a million people, individual people, no double ups, verified, whatever it takes to, like, all these guys have got a collective interest in, in this direction. Yeah, that would be more value in that than than a than having a license where our funds go to a boat ramp here and there because that'd have to get done eventually anyway, somewhere along the line. Yeah, particularly again if there was some sort of numbers there for uh, people to pay attention to. Yeah, if if look at this this conversation, not not everyone that I work with agrees in having a recreational fishing license because they feel that we are already contributing through our expenditure at a level that the government should see value in our sector and just simply provide. The, uh, the management required to ensure that it is sustainable going forward. But that's Maybe so. so. Yeah, yeah but the, the flip side is, have they done that to date? No. Well, the, the flip side is they got, they're still doing it in a voiceless, in a voiceless way. Their ex expectations of where they're spending their money and expecting this infrastructure to get you know, maintained or updated or even put in, it still keeps them voiceless. That's, well, that's, I know that voice is, the, the flip side, it comes back to, again, that the, the, the government of the day has to know categorically that if they were to introduce a general recreational fishing licence on a specific framework, would it have the broader community support? I believe there's been way enough communication on this now in the last 15 years in Queensland that it would. And... The people that have written the articles, it's been in all the major publications. It was actually recently on uh, Bush and Beach magazine. There was a great article 
I read uh, on on would we uh, adopt that that framework? And yes, we would. I think I don't, I don't know any wreck fisher that if you said to them, would you wear a thirty to forty buck annual fee as a general license to go fishing in Queensland if? 100%, 100% non-negotiably goes into a trust account that um, then was managed by rec fishers and went back specifically to sustainably manage and improve recreational fishing. Who would not do that? Oh, yeah. Could you imagine the amount of people that come to Queensland that have to pay it as well? You know, like it's... Uh, yeah, 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 correct. And, and they would do it. When I go to New South Wales when I can, I've been down there for a couple of years to visit my mum, but I went down two years ago and the first thing I did was went and brought my New South Wales fishing license to go fishing in Lake Illawarra. Took a good mate of mine out that I went to school with, and we caught a few flathead and whiting in the lake. That's, did I whinge about that? Then I went down to St George's Basin and I fished in their trophy fishery, and I got a bloody ninety centimetre flathead. So, yeah. did I whinge about paying that money? No. Mm. And and so, and and, I don't, and it's the same as who do you know that goes fishing in a sips dam and complains about paying the sips fee? No one. You're right. Yeah, that's right. You said it earlier, yeah. No one. Why? Because all the bloody money, other than the 15% that goes to the bloody administration, um, goes back to the local fish stocking group. Oh, the who impound- are basically all bloody volunteers and work for nothing in the interest of their community. The impoundments are in stark contrast to the saltwater fishery. You, you know, it's uh, you're watching, it's like watching two on a graph. Like one's going higher, one's going lower, you know, for, yeah. for, uh, for uh, recreational uh value you know what i'm saying it's uh it's it's incredible it's amazing it's not it's not pointed out more often it really is it's yeah. the fun, the stupid thing is like you know you got all this um rhetoric that goes on with these social media posts and you can almost see that when someone puts a post up about the standing straight about the fish being tough the people that come on there and say well you just got to alter your alter your fishing techniques you can <laughs> you can you, you can within two seconds you can trace back on their page that they're 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 um they've got commercial fishing interests you know yes it's just Oh, it's amazing! It really is. There's, there's no one, no one I know that has been in the bay for the last ten to fifteen years that won't genuinely and honestly acknowledge that we have got localized depletion issues across a number of our key species, unquestionably. Absolutely. Look, mate. I think that that set that sentence you just made there is a good point to wrap this up. We've been talking to you for nearly two hours about this, Scotto, and it's um, and it's been. It hasn't felt like that. It's been, you know, quite a great conversation, mate. But I think we, we, I know we could keep talking about this, and this is a problem that we could all sit around and and hypothesise on for another couple of hours. But um, look, mate, is there is there anything that we haven't touched on before we before we head in that direction? No, exactly what you said. We're all really good, and I've enjoyed this. That's so been fun. But we're all really good at yakking, all right? And it can be here <laughs> doing this, or it can be down the bloody pub having a beer, or at the boat ramp, and we can whinge and complain about all the woes in our lives, about you know, why we didn't catch anything on this particular day or whatever the issue may be. But unfortunately, if we don't take action and become engaged with our decision-makers we don't really have a voice. So as an outcome from this, tonight's podcast, I would just love it if our sector and anyone who's listening would just become more engaged on recreational fishing issues in your area. It doesn't matter if it's not this great Sandy Marine Park, although I'd love your support. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, just become more engaged in recreational fishing issues and become a voice. Don't whinge. 
become a voice and and don't waste your time yakking to maybe people that are not going to have any chance of assisting you moving your campaign forward talk to the person that's going to make the decision your local members and the actual decision policy maker that's the ones that count you have to talk to them all right well scott thanks for your time mate i really really appreciate it and i think we've made the point really clear and if you're listening to this and you complain about shit fishing in the future wherever you are in the country <laughs> it's your fault you are the one to blame you're worse than the pros let's put it that way it's uh, you, you really don't have a leg to campaign on because you didn't have a go yep yep all right mate well thanks again scotto appreciate you having me on board again guys it's always been fun it's always good scotto thanks for your time thanks, thanks guys keep up the great work thanks Thank mate you. Jeepers, dude, that was uh, in depth and verbose. <laughs> verbose, well, it's baby. A, it's, a, it's an overused cliche on this show about being passionate and verbose, but. Um, I know it was verbose, man. I just wanted to say boss, you know, like it was, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're doing there, mate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you're right. So, what were you going to say about verbosity? So much verbose debation? Oh, dude. I don't. I don't want to trivialise Scotto's passion by calling it the bostabation. He, he was, he was fucking spot on. You know, he's a man who's, um, you know, sticks to his convictions. Um, and I love how he's not silent on something. You know, uh, too often people, and I, I'm definitely guilty of this as well, are just sort of, um, you know, too too apathetic to to get off their ass and 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 do something about an issue and. Um, uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You know, when you can throw all sorts of cliches at it, but it's tr- they're all true. You know? Yeah, I, I, if you're listening to this and, and you agree, but you still don't do anything, I hate to guilt you out. But like I said, you're you're as bigger the problem. You know, it really is. You know, like if there's if you're listening to this show, fishing is is a big part of your life. You know, it really is. There's no two ways about it. If you if you look at it and you listen to this show and you th- and you think about it yourself and and what what life would be like without the fishing. You know, if you think that um, that this issue stops at Harvey Bay, you're you're wrong. You know, like this is this is a, this sets precedences for um, for everything around the whole around the whole country. Now, this might be marine park centric, but it's still it's still in, like the the bigger issue is the environmental issues, the environmental interests. You know, really, and that's that's really where uh, our interest should should our attention should be turned towards, in my opinion, because. A healthy environment means means a healthy fishery. There's no two ways about it, you know. And um, you know, we we just it's it's just yeah, I don't know. I think that the whole thing could be a slippery slope, and it's just got to be, it's got to be attention's got to be directed in the right direction, you know. That's it. Yeah, you've you've got to keep a, a broader view of everything around you, to um avoid avoid the uh, circular firing squad, you know, mm. because you know, yeah, as, as you sort of pointed out. Um, throughout the podcast, you know, there is environmental issues as well. Um, and that's something that we could stand side by side with on the pros, you know, because we both benefit from, um, you know, better fish habitats. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, like it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's almost too late now. And I mean, the, the netting might be, 
or a marine park might be a band-aid solution really it's just it's you know if you were if if you were put a put a face to the environmental issues you know they're they're almost standing in the background grinning that no one's pointing at them with this with this area you know it's, it seems to be wreck fishers versus commercial fishermen and it's um it's really a small part of the issue there's no two ways about it that the impact between those two like as in wreck and commercial that commercial guys are having a far bigger impact on the on the, on the on the um, marine life than wreck fishermen are. There's no two ways about it. And if there was one way, it's got to turn through there. Commercial fishing is just not sustainable. When you're talking those those tonnage numbers that Scotto was talking about, Barramundi just from that one river, and that river, the salt water aspect of that river, although it's a big river, is is not that big. Although Barramundi are what a catadromous species, is that right? Are they catadromous? Anatomous, catadromous. Yeah, yeah. Something like so, that. So, so they do. You know, they they do require that that freshwater element there. But uh, it's such a short short saltwater part. You know, like it's just um compared to some systems, it's nuts. It really is. That that they're getting that sort of numbers out of there. It just could you imagine? Just imagine. You know how much how much would be left there if they just stop that netting that tonnage. Same with the Brisbane River with the threadies there. Same with everywhere, really. I just don't know how it's sustainable. If you look at you look at those pros like it's an agriculture, and you compare it to other forms of agriculture, it's the one form of agriculture that you know they're, they're not sowing their field or they're not involved with animal husbandry or anything like that. They're just taking what's naturally there, keep taking, taking, taking what's naturally there without putting it back. Well, it's I pretty guess, wild. I guess okay. in that regard, yeah, they're relying on the on the science, and you know, I'm not sure. Um, well, you've always got to rely on science. You know, there's there's no there's no doubt about it. But you know, you wonder um, at the same point, science let us get you know to a point where we're striving to get sixty percent of a biomass back too. So that's that is <laughs> that is frightening, eh? You know? I found that I found that staggering. Look, I'm readers, you know, our, our listeners, I'm I'm going to try and I've got a few ideas about getting some fishery scientists um, on. Um, you know, to talk about these sampling techniques, um, the gloom and doom. Um, sometimes it's a little bit depressing. Uh, there's a few things too. I, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, knowing. You know, I'm sure in some line fisheries, um, wrecks might take actually more than pros across a, across the state. Um, you know, Spanish mackerel being one, for example, is. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is this is more. I mean, sorry, I don't mean to stop you there, but I mean that's, for sure, for sure. You know, like it's um. I live next to a fishery, as you know, the Pumstone Passage that had commercial fishing stopped while I was in high school, which was fucking <laughs> 30 years ago. It's way worse than it was back then. And that's just from wreck fishers, you know? That's that. And and agriculture, I would say, would be a big part of that as well. The development in the mangrove areas is just criminal, you know? It's, it's crazy. But, you know, you can't really go blame commercial guys there. But we're talking in regards to the Sandy Strait, you know? Like, that's a, that's a different scenario. We're talking... For those people who don't know the area, sorry, boss, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think it's a good good time to probably paint that picture of, of the species that are affected by netting in those red-hashed areas, don't you think? Or Yeah, yeah, it is. And the, the, the fishing, well, Chris and I have both been fortunate to have fished, you know, lots of that area. I've, you know, I've fished Tinkan all the way to, 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 to Battle, most of those major rivers there, done the, you know, the Marlin, inshore pelagics, the flats, the trevallies, the... The only thing I haven't done is the brim, and I was sort of pleased to hear that the pros had almost wiped them out, according to Scotto. 
<laughs> no, but he, he's right. Like it, though. Like I can, I, I can remember like in the early days of like um, you know, discovering those flats. Some of those little creeks that are over on Fraser yeah. Island side, that they, they are, they are those brim are in plague proportions. Like you know, they used to be. You know, like they, they'd be hitting your boat almost in, in like he said, super skinny water. You know, it was, it was, it was wild. If they're not there any oh, look granted i haven't been in there for 25 years easy you know some of those creeks looking for brim at least you know but if they're not there anymore that that's really sad that's for sure it, it is i mean bit of effort to wipe them out you know so those little rats with fins yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, maybe they deserved to lose access to the area if they didn't wipe them out totally but that's all but, brim lovers yeah, yeah. No, well, even that's a slippery slope. It's like saying it's, I mean, we can't value recreational species over all species for the sake of recreational species, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. That's you true. know, like it's like, um, you know, you can't, you can't say that there's no, there's no fish in my area of, of recreational value. So let's introduce a species and not expect, you know, recent, like, you know, um, you know, people to analyze the, uh, the impact of that and, um, and not consider what you think is fun as a as a factor that's um that's going to make a decision you know so you know i think i think you know like what what scotto's doing there as focusing on the marine on the marine parks and the, and the science and and arguing the science um in relation to creating a better in, environment for for uh with the result of a better recreational fishery is is a great approach yeah i think you're right hmm. yeah so you know, so for those people who are listening from overseas or, or from a different part of the country, you know, if you're in Australia right now, it, like, you know, Harvey Bay is kind of, what would you say, geographically in line with sort of, you know, Exmouth or Shark Bay or something like that, you know, in West Oz? Uh, no, Exmouth would be around the, the Mackay. Cap- Capricorn, and, yeah, Mackay area. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Shark, Shark Bay-ish would probably be fairly accurate, I reckon. Well, it's got it's got the potential to be well. Maybe I'll compare it in a different way. Like maybe not so much geographically, but for species, it's got the potential to be the East Coast version of Exmouth. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you know? well, that that blue, oh, sorry, black marlin flats fishery is is globally unique. You know. Well, yeah, nothing's like that anywhere, is it? Yeah, that's right. You know, so for those who don't know, I mean. This blows people away. I I love seeing people's reactions when you when you say like you know you can sight fish. You know, I don't know. Like, I mean, they're ba- they're considered to be baby blacks, but it's not uncommon to see something that's probably eighty pound, um, you know, six foot long, or I don't know if that sounds accurate, but you know, six foot marlin in in waist deep water hunting. You know, that you can cast to a free swimming fish without teasing it up. You know, there's how many places in the world have got that? You know, at, at the same time that those same flats are holding trevally species like like permit and and golden trevally. Um, other pelagics like uh, queenfish, uh, things like that, but they get—I don't know—take it away, Volt. So I'll, I'll, I'll get—I'll get too verbose about that, but about the nets and stuff, hitting that stuff. But it's just a shame. Like you, you'll be out fishing, you'll be watching that, and you'll be—you'll you, be watching guys that are just—they're uh, not doing anything illegal currently, you know. But they're just—they're just running massive square hooks up and down the beach and. And then going up and down their boats, just just hurting the fish into these nets, you know. And and the amount of pros that are there now, like we mentioned in the podcast, compared to before the net-free zones north, 
it's just it's it's wild it really is you know and and to see you see it's not uncommon to see photos get passed around that you don't get to display on the internet of permit that have been caught in nets like big big annex you know like just caught caught in nets you know and um it's just a, it's just it's a crying shame it really is and I just try not to make it it'd be great to no one's going to pay attention to decision making because you you've lost your toys to play with you know so what Scott's doing with that direction with the environmental issue environmental aspect and leaning on government policy but correcting what they've already done is such a clever way to go about it that it just it needs all our support it really does yeah yeah i'm just i'm gonna beg at this point um i think i'd really like it if if you're uh, if our listeners could could be moved to um you know just just sign a sign a petition send in a letter of support here it's the letter of support more than yeah. the petition, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do the and that and um, you know uh, feel good about doing your own little bit to um, to do the very best that you can. Um, it, it doesn't matter where you live in the world either, you know. Yeah. Like just 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 send it. Like and just you don't have to lie. Just say like the the interests of that area concern me or or whatever, you know. Like I mean, if you if you live in an area where the recreational fishing could be better. You got to understand the flow and effect of the the precedence this sets. You know, I mean, marine parks and conservation parks are going to be considered more and more down the coastline of of, of many countries. You know, yeah, you know what I'm saying. You can see where this goes. I mean, you could we could do another one hour show about the flow on of something like this, but you can't you can't be apathetic with this and complain about how bad the fishing is, no yep. matter where you are in Australia. Yep. Nothing changes if nothing changes, guys. So yeah, yeah. So you know, like it's yeah. You look to point out to you guys how how bad how bad it seems to have gotten, and apparently it seems as though when you're looking at these figures of um of what the pros are taking, you're looking at like you know, seeing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I want to say that use the word use, use the example of Golden Tree Valley. Australians will know the value of them. Americans uh, may or may not know. I mean, goldies. Are, you see some goldies on like Christmas Island and stuff like that. But the the unique thing about um, about Harvey Bay, for the goldie fishery that I knew, compared to what I see other people have, I've not seen a golden trevally fishery around the country that's consistently provides big golden trevally like that anywhere. You know, I see pocket. Yeah, I see, yeah, I see pocket rockets everywhere, but. These are the sort of um, these are the sort of goldies that that you'll see jigged off wrecks and stuff that are up in, you know, I don't know, man. They're up, they're up, they're up in pretty skinny water. They're they're tailing and pumping away like happy. And some of it, they used to be schools of, like you know, like uh, you know, like yeah, ten to fifteen fish just wa- and that's conservative, waving their tails at you, you know, uh, consistently. Like you'd be getting up there at, like a pretty loose stage of the tides, you know. It wouldn't matter if it was neeps or springs even. They'd always be there. But now. I mean, they're there. Let's 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 not let's not um, lie about this. I mean, they're still there, but they're in they're in such small numbers. It's not fun, you know. Whether those fish have, have um, recognised that those flats are danger now, and collectively as a, a hive mentality learnt not to go up there, or they're not there. I guess the science would would, would tell. So it's all we can do is relay our observations. Hey. Yep. Yeah, that's all you can do. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know we're beating a beating a beating a dead horse here by by asking again to um to 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 just make 
make it make five minutes of your time get on it write the letter um what you probably have learned by now by the time you heard this is that scotto has a facebook page called the fraser 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 coast fishing alliance and on that page he has, he has drafted a letter that you can copy and paste you could be on your phone go go to facebook on your phone copy and paste that that post just go straight to emails on your phone send it to that person done cap happy conscience fish 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 with a happy conscience you know what i'm saying you've done a good thing yeah done a great thing. give yourself a pat on the back uh, look uh, i'm just looking now scott has actually posted it on our facebook page um if you listen to tonight's the intermediate line podcast and would like to become more engaged and contribute please call megan scanlon member for gaven on 07-3719-7140 now or email her he's got the email address um and yeah it's a good explanation of uh of what's there so um yeah you, you can definitely find it on our um on our facebook page intermediate line we'll um we'll make sure we get it across to insta too so you guys can have a look what to do there as well yeah we we will hey <laughs> 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 Yeah. Sure. Oh well, it's a it's a it was a pretty serious tone tonight, guys. So really appreciate you hanging in this far. Um, so yeah, we promise to uh, only bring up serious issues like this when they matter. Yeah, got a good show next week. Won't talk about who we got on until we announce it. But let's say um, your liable will be hooked from uh, from listening to it. <laughs> oh, oh, good one. Uh, hey, yep. excellent. Great yeah. delivery. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I won't give. If I say something else, I'll give it away completely. I'd rather keep that to it. It's a. It's a. It's an international guest, and and it's a pretty big name. Uh, it, it's it impacts a lot of fly fishermen's uh, lives in Australia as well as well as around the world. That's for sure. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent, Smithers. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. Well, let's um, let's wrap this puppy up, hey? We've um, we've taken up a lot of the listeners' time, so uh, I don't think we've broken a record for length of podcast. So, you could tell us about your daily travels if you want to, but I suggest that you don't. Don't bother. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Any other public announcements, mate? No. You got any? Just um, stay aggressive, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> haven't used that one for a while. No, no, hasn't. Haven't. No. Um, we got a we got a, a good hundredth show lined up as well, guys. Um, we're not going to tell you who the we got two guests for that show lined up. Yeah. Two very very important guests. Uh, two of my fa- most fa- favorite people in this whole world, in fact. You know, or one of them more than the other. You know, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, look, uh, look, look, look forward to. Hearing from these two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Contrasting folks, that's for sure. <laughs> mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, and and we're gonna we got we got interviews lined up for after that as well. Now um, we, we're gonna keep on trucking, fellas. You know. Um, yeah. Might even start doing vlogs like again, like we promised we would do. <laughs> oh, we want to. We definitely want to. Yeah. We're trying. But, yeah, we are. We're trying. We're trying. Yeah. All right, let's go, man. You guys got to stop buying brushes, that's for sure, okay? Give us some time to go fishing. Hey, man, that's the first time you mentioned beast brushes in, like, two and a half hours. Yeah, I also mentioned cantadromus. 
early on too. Catadromus. <sighs> what else did we miss? I don't know who had uh, <laughs> who had who had three hours for Catadromus. You know what? I don't know, man. All right, man. Let's wrap it. Righto. Wrap it and strap it. So, yeah. Yeah.